Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 20 of Third Man In. It's Mike Hickey here along with Mr. Terry Ryan. And and it's Charles. See, I'm going back. I'm going. I'm, going trying, to, the, I'm uh, trying to shake uh, it up. Counterclockwise way. Yeah. yeah uh, third man in, of course, brought to you by Head Check Health. Uh, we have an exciting episode for you today. We have Jason McDonald on the show. Uh, we've already recorded the interview with Jason. So if there's any point where we sound like we're talking about things that haven't happened yet, that's why. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> sometimes we forget and talk about things we already talked about and in a weird past tense, and it's a whole thing. I've got something I was holding on to. All right. Uh, so I obviously uh, a lot of people on this program are hockey fighters. Uh, I have only been and started one fight in public myself, not a hockey fight, and it was with a guy from Prince Edward Island named Jason McDonald. <laughs> was also, it hilarious? Yeah, he also yeah. had, but the, my favorite part of it is, is, is okay, so uh, it's a long story, but uh, I ended up getting kicked out of a, uh, a late night fast food place. It wasn't as much as a fight as it was like a one and done, one punch each side, and then we all got thrown out. Uh, but the best part of this, and, and, and he's from PEI, had the same nickname, J Mac. I don't know if his first name was Jason, by the way. I but, think anybody named uh, yeah, Jason McDonald goes by J. So, it's called J Mac. You know so what? Anyhow, I forget why we even got in a fight, but there was two, like me and one of my friends who was in the Navy, and he, he tends to start fights, so I'm just going to throw him under the bus. And, uh, and so we all get kicked out, and four of us, it was more or less you four fucking out. And then when we get out, the two guys from PEI are like, so you guys want to split a cab? <laughs> which, which is the which, most Atlantic you know, Canadian thing ever. There you go. What yeah, you which, it is. What was I going to say? Uh, I was I mean, saying about how like every dude named Jason McDonald's called J Mac. Oh yeah. So Jason McDonald's actual nickname back then uh, and even now has been Frenchy. I don't know why. I, I don't. I don't know why it's Frenchy. I've always picked J Mac because it sounds like Newfie a little bit too. Like Frenchy has could. There's context. It, maybe he's called Frenchy because he has. His mother is is originally French, and it's an insult to the family to call him Frenchy. I really don't know. It's one of no. those things that could go either way. Uh, even if you're French, Frenchy kind of sounds. Not that I'm. I, I people call me Nufi, and it's a term of endearment. Usually, a lot of those highlight tapes and stuff I show, like you'll see them calling me Nufi often yeah, yeah. instead of Terry. Uh, but I took it as a term of endearment. It's context, so I just call him J Mac for reasons that I don't know where Frenchy started, and it sounds a little bit. I don't know why it shouldn't be insulting, but we're in 2019, right? I, I, I actually, it's funny enough, I know a guy named Tate, and I've called him Tate for years. I mm. got introduced to him as Tate, everything. I assumed his last name was Tate, and then eventually I found out, no, it's short for Tater because he likes Mary Browns. So maybe he just likes French fries. Maybe one of my best friends, yeah. those in Newfoundland will know, one of my best friends is Steve Spock Kelly, and he's been Spock since he's five years old, and it's because he has huge ears. <laughs> and I know that sounds really cruel, but his parents didn't ever step in, yeah. and Spock loves it. He embraced it. So I guess it's context A and B, you know, who you're talking to and how they take offense to it or whatever. But anyway, for those, when I say J-Mac, any of my buddies out there uh, from back in the day will recognize him as Frenchie. Um, so yeah, we had a great conversation with J Mac that we already recorded. It's like an hour and 20 or something like that. Uh, and it's great. And we got a couple other things we want to talk to because talk about, sorry, uh, because I mean, obviously as we're recording this, we're hours away from the puck drop of game seven of the Stanley cup final. By the time you guys are listening to this game seven is over. Hopefully so, with the way, <laughs> the way both these goalies have been playing, there's a solid chance this game's still fucking going on by 10 o'clock tomorrow morning. But, um, 
yeah, it's it's going to be happening. Uh, so we got a couple things regarding that. Some other crazy stuff that's going on in the wild world of sports this week. Uh, and we want to get into all that stuff and then get you J-Max uh, interview. But first, let's take a second and listen uh, to some words from our sponsor, Head Check Health. Concussions are serious business. Concussions and post-concussion syndrome had a huge effect on my career. Whether you're a player, a concerned parent, a coach, a risk manager, or an executive, they're a major area of concern. HeadCheck Health has developed software and services that improve the way concussions are assessed, tracked, and managed at all levels of sport. Their goal is to create a safer environment of play by giving better tools to the individuals responsible for documenting and assessing concussions and providing better data to administrators to make real health and safety improvements. HeadCheck currently works works with organizations across the country like the Canadian Junior Hockey League, BC Hockey, Rugby Ontario, the Western Lacrosse Association, and more to advance their concussion management practices. If you're interested in learning more how HeadCheck can help your team or organization, please visit HeadCheckHealth.com or email info at HeadCheckHealth.com. That's HeadCheckHealth.com or info at HeadCheckHealth.com and tell them TR sent you. All right, so... uh... Mike, oh, it's yeah. vitals check. Um, we, this is something we did last week when we did a live stream. It's actually down to eighty three. Oh, okay, yeah, you're um, fine. so it's dripping you're down. Um, yeah, you're calm, you're relaxed. But yeah, so a couple hours away. Do we have any housekeeping? I know it's been it's been a while since we did a proper episode. Last week, Tr was out of town. How how was your trip? You went up to Toronto for a bit. It was a good time. I, there's um, I played for Team Ireland in the World Ball Hockey Federation Championships, so it's a little different. It, there's two federations going on. One is the International Street and Ball Hockey Federation. I play in that one for Team Canada. And, you know, that's that's where the Newfoundland uh, Black Horse falls under the Nationals every year. Mm-hmm. It's the official worlds, right? Mm-hmm. It's the official league to be in, the National. It's like Hockey Canada. Uh, you know, it's, it's it's actually affiliated with Hockey yeah, Canada. Yeah, you guys wear the Hockey Canada logo, yeah, right? Yeah, do. Damn. Now, this one is that, so back in the day, you know, it's a while ago now, when I say that, probably, probably 12 years ago, the the guys who ran this split off, and the guy from the WBHF, I won't say his name or anything, not an enemy of mine, but these the guys, they, they, they really couldn't see eye to eye. And they made the rules really lax in this other one. Like, that's why I can play for Ireland. I'm not from Ireland, neither are many of my parents, but my great-grandfather is. And if you have heritage, they say, because they're just trying to get more players just and everything. build the program. Yeah, yeah. so there's, there's a chance for me and four or five Newfoundlanders. Mike Dyke was up there with me, uh, Sean. Great hockey name. Fagan, yeah. I remember <laughs> uh, I remember uh, Mike playing uh, baseball against him back when I was a kid. Great, 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 great athlete. Ball player. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Jeremy Bishop was there yeah. with us. So it was an excuse to see them, and, uh, you know, it's it's great. We raise money and everything, and they are... Uh, you know, I, I'm probably raised the least, and they're nice enough to include me and in the trip and all that. So they, they get that for me. I appreciate it. And it's also a chance. I'm, I'm, I'm talking with some producers about um, a couple of the shows that I uh, co-wrote. And, you know, usually Toronto's a hub for that. So I stayed a few extra days because um, <clears throat> I needed to do that and then see a, see a gentleman about uh, getting a new book deal. So for me, my work is here uh, in, in a little bit in Toronto. And when I can mix... A little ball hockey tournament in, yeah, yeah. Uh, I will. So that's what I was doing there. It was a bit of fun. And, and now, not to mention the whole Raptors fucking thing. I was going <laughs> to say, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're there, I like, tried. what's the city like? Like, I it's got to be just I buzzing, tried. It's right? buzzing. And everywhere we went, it was a zoo. I mean, a zoo. A zoo, like, uh, in, in such a great positive way. Uh, so you know, some of these places you go, and, and, might, and maybe people might get a little violent or whatever. But there were, and you know what was great that you don't see on TV, but... A lot of people were out in their Leafs jerseys. A lot of people had yeah. FC jerseys on. It was like this okay. community. If you're in Jurassic Park itself, you'll see all Raptors jerseys. Yeah. But it was almost like, you know, people just put their sports jerseys Whatever on. Whatever Toronto sports jersey yeah. you had. So, yeah, and I hate yeah. the, a lot of a lot of hockey players I know, 
they won't say it, but you know, you read their Twitter feed or they'll say, I don't know what the big deal is. Or they're almost pitting one against the other. When the Raptors are winning or the Jays, it's a it's a nationwide thing. It's a country it's a whole country getting behind it. And we ain't yeah. got no one else. Right. It's the simplest that. We Leafs, ain't got no one else. Yeah. If the Leafs were in, I'm sure Toronto would be just as crazy. Um, and, and, you know, uh, for the country, maybe not, because you get to, but I guarantee everybody would be watching. Uh, but, you know, you might not get the whole country behind you because there's six or seven, oh. or is it? NHL teams, is it six? Seven now. Seven. seven. Yeah. But um, what do you mean now? Well, I, I just mean now because Winnipeg Soon came back. Be it was eight. Six for Let's a long not time. kid ourselves. Winnipeg It'll now. be eight within ten years. So I, Winnipeg's been back for like fucking eight years, Point. and I'm still like yeah, qualifying. Yeah, like, now, oh, back. Like, what, did fucking yeah. you know Lock the Bish get in? Did, <laughs> yeah. did, did Hamilton get a team Quebec, that I didn't know about? Quebec will be in there within um, ten years. But in in any case, so you get that vibe. But on, uh, to me, it's great. I, I love it, and and to get more people that can get into basketball. To me, I'm a team sports guy. Yeah. And I found out while I was up there that we have the second most, I think it's 15, the second most, uh, there's U.S. nationality. What, what a weird way to butcher that, second most nationality. The, the nation with the second most players in the league is Canada with yeah. 15. And we're, we're only going to get more in that department. I credit Vince Carter for that. Kawhi Leonard's uh, playoff, the, the Raptors in general, is going to lead to more kids playing team sports. If it's basketball, so fucking be it. Um, these To me, watching Kawhi Leonard um, score in Game 7, uh, watching the Raptors come together. Yeah. yeah, And, and you know, the humble. He doesn't do it for likes. He doesn't do it for Twitter retweets. He does it because he wants to win. All that is so great. It's great for hockey players to yeah. see. Uh, you know, a, a young kid like Alex Newhood who's going to go in the NHL draft who's probably never going to play basketball. It's good for him. It's a sports thing. It's a leadership thing. And I, th- I wasn't even going to get there. But I guess, uh, telling you about my trip, I was really proud to be a Canadian. And I'm telling you, some of those bars I was in, it was nothing but Leafs jerseys. And people going, go Raptors, let's go Raptors. And it, it, it was a feeling in Toronto of, you know what? It definitely wasn't one against the other. It was like, and I'm, we're I'm glad here. to hear that. I'm glad. Yeah. I'll, I'll tell you a little story. I go to the Duke uh, here in St. John's every Thursday for the last, I don't know how many years. And there's about six or seven gentlemen. I don't know their name. But whenever there's not a hockey game on, on Thursdays, they ask to put the Raptors on. Yep. They're big Raptors. Raptors guys and uh, I I am right now running around you know the city saying let's go Raptors I'm going down early tomorrow night to get a seat yeah. and all this stuff I won't pretend that I know a lot about basketball I grew up with two uh, two of my pretty close friends are huge basketball first guys uh, but the, the weird narrative that people are saying like oh well you know if this was hockey it'd be this well it's not hockey we've only got one team in this yeah, it's yeah. it's uh, we're one win away just it's it's that uh, that the comic image where there's a, a cartoon guy clamping someone's lip and just says shh let <laughs> people enjoy stuff well fucking let people enjoy well, stuff like look i mean yeah. at the, like right now it's the one team we have in canada i mean and um Sorry, when um yeah <laughs> and when uh the jays had their back to back world series titles the expos were still a thing but you didn't but it was still the country coming together cuz one of the two canadian teams yeah. made it that way and i mean it's been a long time i mean it's been now uh, uh 8 years since the canucks were the last team canadian team to make it to the stanley cup final yeah and um even then i mean that was against my bruins and so mm. i was a little bit skewed but everybody else i knew was like very much on the Canucks wagon. And the same thing happened with Edmonton. The same thing happened with Calgary. Calgary probably more so than I, I can Calgary, remember. I went through these. I think Calgary might have been the biggest one. I think it was Calgary, Calgary was the Calgary one that picked up been, the well, biggest yeah. national they support. All, right? And they did. Because it was such a Cinderella in my, run. In my too. mind, 
I don't think it can get bigger. I'm including the leaps. I'm including yeah. the half. Oh yeah, no, definitely. But, but no, what I'm saying this is, is one. This is yeah. one. Con- this yeah. is one country right? yeah, yeah. with one team. It's yeah. great that y'all get out and rally around it. And I think if Calgary or any of those Canadian teams got in the Stanley Cup final, I think the you'd viewership. Get yeah, you yeah, get yeah. pockets of. I it. think, but I think the viewership in general would be more. Yeah. Because there's a reason. So most people would get behind Calgary. Those that weren't would be interested more than St. Louis, Boston. Mm-hmm. They're probably all going to. I'm not going to say more fans or more more. Uh, national pride or energy would go into it the same way it is now. I liken it, the, the, the closest thing I remember to this, it isn't even when the Jays won it because, again, Montreal were around. So there's mm-hmm. still some people going, fuck the Jays. Yeah. Now this feels like a couple of years ago when Bautista hit that shot. Yeah. Except that, that, was in that, the, was, that wasn't even in the final. That was in the, that was in the, that was, yeah. that wasn't even the pennant. That wasn't nope. even the pennant. Exactly. No, that was so a division so series, wasn't it? Here we are now. Rewriting history books and with a sport and and sorry, quote unquote, you know, uh, it, 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 not a quote unquote, but it, it, in the United States, they, they consider it, uh, you know, almost blasphemous. Some of them think, you know, because it's not our sport, which is so stupid because, I mean, <laughs> you know, there's a draft and all that. Even when the if a Canadian team wins, I'm happy for that city. The players on the team, I don't fucking care. Like St. Louis got the most Canadians if you want to go yeah. that way. But um, but, but what I, I do think... Uh, that happens as a result of something like this more than anything, more than anything is that we can all, unless you're a bitter fuck, (laughs) unless you're a bitter fuck, you you better be cheering for the Toronto Raptors tomorrow night or, or you've been a golden state fan your whole life. That's fair. Yeah, that's that's fair. That's, you know, yeah, to just pick, and you know what? Speaking of which, wasn't wasn't Kevin Durant? Didn't he grow up a Raptors fan? Did I hear he, he that did somewhere? Say that. He did I mean, say Steph that. Curry's dad played for the Raptors. Yeah, Steph I Curry mean, lived in Toronto for a long time. Yeah, his his uh, his wife's uh, from Markham. Yeah, right. Oh, I didn't lived know in, that. Yeah, can for I, a long, long time. Can I spin this into my international, my international intentional offsides? Well, it depends on what your international. My, my intentional, <laughs> your intentional offsides. Is, is. Okay, yeah. my intentional offsides is essentially I've noticed. Okay, it's game seven. It's a big game. In my opinion, this is what. Hockey's all about. Game seven, Stanley Cup final. Someone fucking wins it tonight. Yeah. I'm kind of sick of people tuning in to cheer against a team for whatever whatever reason. If your team might be a rival of the Boston Bruins, you might be tuning in going, oh, gee, play Gloria, play Gloria, or whatever like that. And you haven't really watched a game or, 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 or in a while yeah, since yeah. your team got put out. Uh, today, I was uh, someone came up to me today and, and said, well, geez, you, you must really want the Blues to win. I said, well, there's reasons for each side, but not not overly. I said, well, why, what do you think? Well, they put your team out. That was months ago. Yeah. I said, that, you, <laughs> that, that was literally. That was so fucking yeah, long ago. Months ago. I, I don't think, I, I, I don't think, to me anyway, I don't think hockey is about sitting down and, and gritting your teeth and spitefully cheering against but what something. But what are you complaining against? The nature of fandom? Yeah, well, just the, it, the real <laughs> serial <laughs> anger <laughs> fandom. Bitterness. Hate bitter fandom. fandom. Hate yeah. fandom. So, yeah. Ah, okay, well, hate I love different. hating the Bruins would be a good quote. Yeah, but is, that's, yeah. is hate in that case like saying starving? It's a figure of speech. I'm not really starving. Yeah, I wouldn't saying. say it's If I say hate. I hate the Bruins, I don't think yeah, anybody I don't think actually. You're, yeah, no, okay. Now, but, we just agree to disagree. I think that's what makes people interested. And if it takes okay. some fucking bandwagon or some non-bandwagon for people to tune in, maybe that guy, maybe he tunes in and sees... Zdeno Chara playing with a fucking cage on his face and says, holy shit, yeah. I love this sport. Maybe his buddy's watching with him. Yeah, I, I, I don't ever... Well, the Blues have I, that... I would never look at it. Any, if, if there's a viewer, there's a viewer. However he got there or she got there or it got there, fine. Well, that guy, I can't remember his Twitter handle, but there's a dude that's like, 
hadn't watched a game of hockey before, and then a few years back, someone gave him <laughs> gave him tickets to the the Blues, and he's become like this hockey I saw super that. fan. Yeah. That guy's been going, I mean, honestly, he was live tweeting here, a Blackhawks Blues game. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah, and so I'm sitting here in a Bruins jersey. There's a Bruins T-shirt on underneath it. I'm wearing a Bruins cap. I'm like losing my mind, stressed out. Want the Bruins to win the fucking cup tonight? Vital check. So bad. Um, it's fine. It's probably now. Fine. If the Leafs um, were in, but, if the Leafs were in and knocked yep. out your Bruins, yep. and the Leafs were in now against. Anaheim say, let's yep. just say, two t- what a terrible pick. But anyway, <laughs> I, just in I'd my probably, hypothetical I'd world. Leafs. I'd probably yeah. be Leafs. So I wouldn't think yeah. anything That's, worse of you for yeah, that. Yeah, but no. if you went on Twitter yeah. and said something that was, un- the, 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 the difference is ignorance p- yeah, people yeah. going on yeah. and claiming something that didn't happen if you're yeah, not yeah. educated on it. But if you just happen to tune in and go, you know what? If your hate for Toronto is so big, then you must be a huge hockey fan to, in the way I look at it. Right. Yeah, and and, and yeah. again, I'm losing hate and dislike. Totally, you know, yeah, yeah. Hate. But I mean, honestly, if it wasn't for all this right now, like I think if the Bruins weren't in the final, like that's that like the Bruins are the only team that are in the final that would have me cheering for anybody besides the Blues in this. The Blues storyline is too fucking great yeah, this year. That's, that's and honestly, not- like it's one of those things I want the Bruins to win so fucking bad. But if it wasn't the Bruins and it was any other team in the league up against the Blues, I'd, I'd have I'm the Blues. I'm kind of that way the other way around, Mike. Like, yeah. I don't hate the Bruins at all. And when people, you know, I got pissed off and vocal a couple times with uh, Marshawn, but it, you can't deny he's an exceptional player, oh, one yeah, of the yeah. best in the league. Oh, jeez. If, if, if it was somehow he was healthy scratch tonight, I'd have a Bruins jersey <laughs> well, on like yeah. Mike. I, I, you know, you know it, it, if they're like they're healthy scratching Marshawn. Yeah. Yeah, it's Put such it a fine line. And to yeah, me, yeah. It's, it, what tips it one way is the great story of this Blues and slightly, like, I don't like Marchand, so I might as well. But in, in many cases, I'd be cheering for the Blues I, or Bruins. I think the game they play is very all-round and complete, yeah. and they're not the big, bad, ugly Bruins anymore. There was a few instances early in the playoffs, but I think that St. Louis, I mean, let's talk dirt, yeah. right? But it's playoff hockey. Yeah, I don't yeah. want to say dirt. I think it's playoff hockey. I think the Bruins are good at playoff hockey, yep. and that's why a lot of the times they rise to the occasion. I got nothing against them. I'm just I'm slightly on the other side because... I love what the Bruins are doing, and I'd love to see a bunch of guys that have never won a Stanley Cup. Did anybody on the on the Blues team? Did anybody? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who? I got I got to look. Oscar I, Sundquist has two. Perron but he would have got close last he year. Was, uh, Oscar Sundquist was kind of a healthy scratch black ace, so I don't really know. I don't think you yeah. saw much of the. They ice haven't got time. many. They haven't got many. I, um, I don't know the math, the one, but in my the, head, the Bruins got way more. The big yeah. thing I I think on both sides. So if if uh, if the Bruins win it. I'm I think no no blues got one. I I think well one I think I don't I think this Bruins leadership is so good and I might sound like an idiot when this airs. I can't close my eyes and picture the Blues winning this. It was just when I close my eyes and picture the Stanley Cup getting lifted tonight, it's, it's the Bruins. Especially in Boston. It's in Boston, their leadership group is it so good. It just doesn't seem like a thing that would well, happen in Boston. Yeah, the one thing for me to take away from this is uh, obviously Big Z. Uh, Chara... He's 40, 41. We've already done this before. I keep forgetting his age. When you're able to not only win a cup at that age, it's really important. But when you're able to lead a team to a cup at that age. And play with a broken jaw. And play with a broken jaw. Do all the things, all the small things that Zazano Chara. If you listen to this program frequently at all, you know how much of a Chris Pronger fan I am. I think 10 years time, a lot of people are going to be talking about Zidane O'Chara like I talk about Chris Pronger. Maybe so. So if, if maybe 20 is what you said? No, maybe so. Oh, okay. I can't say so, I disagree. <laughs> so, I mean, in, in, so to see Chara lead a team to the cup like that in his 40s, that's something to tune in for. On the other side, you've got obviously the Blues were in fire sale mode. You've got the new interim coach. Uh, I like the Pat Maroon story. You know, hometown boy goes home. It's a game seven Stanley Cup. I, I just can't, when I close my eyes, I cannot picture it. 
I I don't even picture the blues celebrating. I just picture John Hamm being fucking <laughs> loaded. Party down. I think it'd be good for the game if if uh, St. Louis wins. They've I never really done do. it, so I mean, yeah, I, 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 it's I, just and, an area and, of the country that yeah has not had much success in hockey, man. Well, yeah. literally none, and I mean, yeah. it's kind of been storied about just stable the bad fan luck. base, though. That's stable the crazy fan base, thing. and I mean, as much as everybody always talks about the Blues uh, or St. Louis being a baseball town, you know, and, and how rabid base. they are for the Cards yeah. down there, it, it's it's still like it's such you know, a it's big funny. deal. Um, it's and I mean, they had what they had like. How many people outside the the game the other night? Like sixty odd thousand, something yeah. like that. And you know, I mean, that's insanity. That's I really liked uh, St. Louis. It's just weird. It's like underrated. You don't think to go there, and like, you know what I mean? If you had you could pick all these destinations, it's rare that you would go to St. Louis unless you wanted to see the Blues. But like, but I remember going there and thinking, man, this is a cool place to visit. But you just don't. <laughs> You just don't go there. You know, it, it's just one of these places, and I, I encourage more people to do it. I, I love when this happens. It's like Nashville last year. Not that oh, that yeah, was that a was... secret, but I've always talked about, like, I couldn't believe the outdoors in Nashville, like the, the outdoor nightlife, the nightlife yeah. slash outdoor nightlife, because there's this big area there that I've, I've talked about for years that's a lot more famous than the area in, in St. Louis. But St. Louis is one of those places. I have nothing bad to say about it. It was so cool. Um, real nice people. Huge hockey fans. Uh, just it's a little bit off the beaten path, but um, I, I can say nothing. But I've great. I, you know, I've only been there like three times, but yeah, it was fantastic every time. And and that and that's it is like between between all the different storylines about the Blues that are great. I got to say, like I obviously really want the Bruins to win well, the cup. I mean, but, for your team. But honestly, like if I was gonna pick any other team to to win it this year, I'm glad they're in the finals against the. the I'm glad they're in the finals against the Blues. I I think uh, the Blues are a hell of a team. Uh, what they've done this year is absolutely incredible. Um, I'm not a huge fan of Craig Brubay's press conferences, but other than that, I. Uh, I, you know the team. The team, and I mean, there's there's been some dirt in the last couple of games. It's been getting a little. There's been some some weird yeah. shit happening, and and I think it a lot of that plays into the way. Um, there's you know there's been some stuff said. There's been some things that happen on the ice. There's things that happen off the ice and stuff that's just. Yeah. It, it's kind of messing up the narrative of it, but at the same time, I'm just overall that's, just really excited for tonight. There's a lot and of more positives. than anything. I'm there's like a lot of to trim to my beard away. tomorrow. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, it's getting pretty shaggy. Though. It is. It's getting it's getting pretty shaggy. Anyone want to guess to uh, wager a score here? No, I can't. Oh, I'm not going to let you do it. Tier, I'm going to say see? four three overtime blues. Ooh. Don't do that, oh, David. Oh Pran. my god. Oh. This, yeah, OT. this guy, we gotta see an OT yeah. game seven at some point. Oh I would, God. Uh, I would love to see an OT oh, game seven. I, I uh, Mike, I would never want to do that to you. I could throw uh, up once, thinking about once it. again. I, I tell you, you're if I, when I close my eyes and picture it, you are having a pretty needling night. I got three one, but after the first forty, there's no score. Yeah, that's yeah, what I, I got. See I like got that the too. the way the goaltenders have been playing. I got I just, three one for your Bruins, but it's gonna be forty minutes of. Uh, no scoring. So, just, yeah, guys, yeah. I got one thing I want to get to. Okay. All right, let's um, do it. Again, because we were, to, I got to get back to it because we were talking about uh, the basketball and the Kevin Durant, right? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we were. Yeah, yeah. We were going to get to Kevin Durant. I, yeah, yeah, we were going to. We were going so, to. I, I want to get the one thing that a lot of people aren't talking about as they talk about Durant. So, we know what we, what we know is that Durant played with, with an Achilles problem. He got, he got hurt. He had 11 or 12 points in the first quarter. He was dominating. Yeah. He was doing exactly what they wanted him to do. He was going to have one of those pluck and playoff performances, I think, from one of the legends. Yeah. Uh, he gets hurt. So for a brief moment. 
bad. Oh, it was did you see the like yeah, slow mo? Yeah, I did. I did. Oh. And Achilles, <laughs> the Achilles, that that injury is one of the worst injuries you can possibly have oh, as yeah, a basketball yeah. player. Yeah, they or a threatened player. to cut Alex McGillany's Achilles when he was leaving. When he was, when he was leaving the uh... yes, or so so is said, right? Um, uh, but so anyway. The fans in, in when he first got hurt, there was a small minority, but they did in Toronto. They did, they clapped, and it, it looked bush league for a little while. It yeah. certainly did, right? Now, what I'm going to gloss over because, in my opinion, that was shit. But right after that, when Durant got up and they realized he was real hurt, and they realized what happened, they started chanting KD. They clapped. They know they're knowledgeable basketball fans. They know how good he is. They were cheering not only for. Uh, you know, the fact that he's a great player, but the fact that he fucking tried and he went yeah. out there and tried and you could hear people, and there was far more people, far more applauding and standing up when they realized the seriousness of the injury. So when he was going off. So yeah. I think, and, and there was a lot of people anyway comparing one thing that I'm going to talk about in a minute with the women celebrating uh, after beating Thailand in the USA World in the World Cup for Team USA. So a lot of people compare the fans' reaction to what the girl did, and I'll tell you why it's, why it's different. Well, first of all, it's it's two completely different situations, uh, and you're talking about a player rubbing it into another player as opposed to fans reacting. And this, uh, there's a group. Hold on, are you. Yeah, did you see the the and, and all of that? Which lost in all of that is the Raptors players when they first saw that he was actually hurt. Yeah, they just yeah. kept doing that. Like just Lowry was getting down. a quiet down the court. Yeah, and I and, and I and I think to some degree there's uh, a contingent of the fans that did cheer that were cheering because the ball got turned over. It wasn't because he was hurt. Yeah, I think it was that. and there's going to be a small amount that are well, going to do it. But when yeah. they real, I mean, and when you when just, it, let's just say I'm in the crowd. Yeah. Now you're next to me in the crowd. Yeah. And I go, oh, my God, oh, my God, Durant, Durant Durant's injured. Like, because when you hear an accumulated, yeah. it's different if one person goes, oh, fuck him, he's injured, yay. But you had a bunch of people, first of all, that there was a level of excitement. It's an embarrassing subconscious level, but yeah. there is a level of excitement. You so want there's going to be a win. murmur. So mm. the, the voice of the murmur, yeah. if people were standing up cheering and applauding and throwing off streamers, that's different. Yeah. Yeah. But the, there is going to be a level of, oh, you're yeah. going to hear that. And you heard it. Now, a few people did clap. I would couple say people one waved in by. They had, they had pictures and shit. Yeah. When, when they re so to me, the, the it was way outweighed, but that's not even what I was going to get at. Now we know that. So I, I've, I've, I've covered that. Within all that is I want to point something out. And I've pointed it out about Kawhi Leonard and his unselfishness. And this should be noted. Because Kevin Durant, I'm not saying I was ever a huge, huge fan he controversially a couple years ago came over from Oklahoma City uh, to play uh, in in uh, Golden State, and he joined a team that was probably already going to win. Yeah. I'm not going to say I hated him for that. I, you know, he wanted to win, but I wasn't his biggest fan. This guy's in a contract fucking year. That's okay, what, that's what I took away from this. Did, yeah. yeah, that's that's the big thing for me. It's like, oh boy, it does not not only fuck up his career, but that fucks up potentially well, which, the rest. But of his which career. says two things. First of all, I, I I don't know who let him play, but but again, we don't know how adamant he was to play. Mm -hmm. But being in a contract year, it's one thing to go out and say, you know, this guy's got balls, and you know, uh, uh, Freddie Van Fleet came back and he lost a tooth, or or you know, this guy in hockey got still Zdeno Chara's sure. playing with a cage on, you know, with a broken jaw. All those things are admirable. Yes, they are, and they're team things. But Kevin Durant is risking hundred, at least a hundred million dollars 
by going out and doing that. I don't know, boy, if I got cold shivers when I watched him playing, and you knew it, he was injured. He yeah. didn't just get hurt that game. He was hurt a month ago. He would have yeah. been out for another three months regardless. He came back way too early. Oh, yeah. There yeah. was a, there was an image after game yeah. three yeah. of this giant medical equipment he couldn't, yeah. on his He's leg. He's hurting, yeah. and he chose to come back and risk his entire fucking career. Do you think he was coaxed, though? Do you think uh, he might have uh, been a little bit... Co- coaxed maybe, or not coaxed? Maybe a little he forceful. He still did it. Because the big narrative didn't with have Kawhi, Kawhi Leonard was that they were trying to force him to play when he knew he wasn't ready. But and he that didn't. Was, he played nine he, games. Yeah. He was pissed off, but he yeah. didn't play. Yeah. I, right? I'm just wondering, you know, if that might be... A lot of people are saying, well, holy shit, like, at least he tried and all this stuff. Do you think it might have been a little bit of a but shot? Like, to me, even if it was, he's a big boy and he chose to play. Yeah, yeah. I cannot believe... I can... I, to, to, if, if anybody... Now, okay, the other side of it is, what if he doesn't get hurt and they fucking win? Then whoever yeah. coaxed him to play... Well, yeah. his you know, 100 million goes someone, to 200 million. Someone yeah. coaxed Bobby, Bob Ganey to play with two broken shoulders in 86, and they won. Yeah. So, like, for every time, every story of, of an athlete doing this, to, to me, it's like but back in the day when I, I remember, like, they said Eric Lindros was coaxed to play. Look, I've been through concussions, bad ones. I love Eric Lindros, but I never really bought that. Um, you know, I could say that. I mean, I, I don't hold the Canadians accountable. I've been on here for... I, I, they fucking fuck me over with my concussion for sure for sure they handle it the wrong way but i'm not going to sit here and fucking throw stones at them i'm the one who decided to play in the end right i decided yeah. I'm to i'm glad i got to ask you that um yeah that's, and it, yeah, it, was, a... it was it was stupid um and i think looking back some people probably made the wrong decision but i and and i was a rookie that really probably shouldn't have been i had right post-concussion syndrome it was a different situation but i still don't sit here and blame the montreal canadians or i would have sued them yeah. um <laughs> I, I, I would have yeah. right now i had a, i had an issue with the nhl not giving me my uh you know the what do they call the the baseline testing for my head yeah so when i got an injury i went in and i had nothing to compare it with that was stupid and that was a dumb fucking thing but that was the nhl it wasn't the montreal canadians yeah. and i don't hold them accountable now of course a concussion for an 18 year old is a little bit different but guys the fact that he played, and, and by the way, to get back to it, he might have been. I'm not saying he okay. wasn't. He certainly might have been coerced to some degree. I guess people people do stupid things to try to yeah. win, too. That's yeah, an easy thing. I mean, that's it, he did play. It's, it's an individual compete level, too, right? It's I a guy who just wants it. to be out there. Yeah. He's the guy who he knows he can help this team. He knows the team's in an elimination position, and the question doesn't become... Like, because he probably would have played three weeks ago if someone told him you're clear to play. Yeah. Like, you know, he probably would have been like, oh, I don't care. I mean, guys yeah, you are know playing. when it's an Achilles. He had to yeah. know that he was But, but it was killing. also, it was a calf injury. It wasn't, like, the whole time it's been just yeah. listed as a calf. Just like hockey, they say upper yeah. body. Oh, yeah, I don't totally. think they're going to say his but Achilles way, is blown. But either way, I think I think it's one of those things of, you know, maybe three weeks ago he wouldn't have come back, but he was probably watching his team down 3-1, chomping at the bit, just being like, give me but, the okay. I want the okay or whatever, thing. you know. I'm not questioning that. Yeah. What I'm saying is that I've never in my life yeah. seen a bigger player without a contract come mm, back. That's... It'd be like Connor McDavid doing it next season. Yeah. Like, well, well, a little bit different. Durant's, what, 30? Even more He's so. 30. Durant's 30. 30. Okay, so he has less than contracts left than McDavid. Oh, yeah. So he's 30 years old. He's in the mid-prime of it, but he's not in the early prime. This was his last payday. So, this yeah. was going to be a long this contract. His last this payday is going to be max, whatever it is, $30 million a year, max. Yeah. Right? He's going to max out. And by if he just sat, he was maxing out, and everybody knew it. It was a race to see who was going to get him. Yeah. We were talking, even though he's injured now, we were talking down the road about Kevin Durant, where he's going to play next year. Now... 
I mean, you might be thinking 2020, 2021 if you do get him. Yeah. Like, an Achilles injury for a basketball player, I can't think much worse than a fucking right arm injury to a fucking right arm javelin thrower. Really. <laughs> I can't think of much fucking worse. Yeah. And he put himself right in there in the line of fire and, and hats off to Kevin fucking Durant. And you yeah. know what? The thing is, I'm going to say about this series, the last thing, I love both teams. I think both of them got spunk. Draymond Green plays as hard on the out there and is as much of a pest as Brad Marchand is. I was going to say, you yeah. can't say you like Brad, uh, Draymond yeah. Green if you don't like Brad Marchand. You're not I, allowed. I'm not letting you I do know, it. Yeah. I know, yeah. And I, I, I kind of almost the, sense that. Because they're there, man. It's Terry, great to watch. Terry, how many right-arm javelin players do you know by name? <laughs> I, I know, right? That was where you went. Not I, pitcher. I, I lost myself there. Yeah. I had to come Not up with something. Pitcher or quarterback. I, I had, had to come javelin. up with a comparison. Uh, I, that um, was a good one. I like that one. That I like yeah. <laughs> so in, in, in fucking summaration here, I'm going to say that I quickly forgave the Toronto fans. I think it was uh, a unifying uh, example of class uh, cheering him off. And I don't know. It was a surprising move that KD played for me as I've seen in recent sports and hats off to one of the most unselfish moves I've seen in the modern era. Yeah, it was, uh, again, just just be, like more than anything, it be, being a contract year. I think it's just insanity that like a guy faced a, a mo- yeah. an athlete in the modern climate of pro sports is going to do that in a contract year. Yeah, man. And you do stupid things to win. Like, yeah, guys, it's you know. one thing. To have a two on zero and shoot at the empty net, right, and, and not pass it to your buddy for an ass- or get a point on it. It's one thing to like make those decisions, or it's one thing to like shoot it from your own end and and get an icing, and then they tie it up. And it's like those are selfish moves. Did you just right? take a dig at Mark Messier? No, in the Russian <laughs> World Junior a couple of years ago, a guy fucking fired it from his own end. Oh yeah, and all he had to do was gain the line, and it came right back. In the, and Canada not only tied it up, but they scored. It's the drive uh, for five year, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah I remember and that. And that's what popped into my head because it was the most I, selfish move. But I mean, I the can kids remember are 18, watching 19. that. Yeah. It's like this year when the guy sellied, um, you know, I, I consider it a little bit different than the World Cup, but I got pissed off at him in the World Juniors, but I think he will learn from that. Yeah. You know, the, the captain there when he sellied and then yeah, he yeah. hammed up an injury. But any, anyway. Oh, um, um, oh, fuck. The captain of the Canadian that? team this year remember. was, yeah, he was. He was he he took a bunch of heat this year during the World Juniors just because. Yeah. Uh, I agree. Like Vancouver I agree with the heat that he took. I just yeah. think he'll learn from it. I think so too. I agree with agree with that. What were we first talking about there? I don't fucking know anymore. I can't um, even remember. We were talking about. Uh, oh, the uh, two, Raptors something fans about a two on reaction. You were talking about not passing on a two on zero. Yeah, yeah. So there, there's examples of selfishness and examples of unself or or passing it. Let's say unselfishness, passing it on a two on zero, so your buddy gets a goal. But I've never seen anything like this. Like, this is putting your whole fucking hundred million dollars on the line. Literally, you could say hundreds, really. If he's that, you know, Durant's 30. His next payday is going to be max. I think the max in basketball is 30 million a year. There's also a, so there's a salary cap situation hundreds. where you can overpay. So there's yeah. a luxury tax. So, I mean, yeah. It, he's turning down just, just for just, risking it. Now, not that I'll ever chase the fucking guy. I'll be hard up. Fucking win. And that's I, that's I, the point, I guess. One in thing the end. I will say uh, while we're still in the basketball thing, um, but isn't is, isn't KD doing the the uh, isn't it KD that's doing the new fucking um, Space Jam movie? Isn't coming back from this injury going to be what what is the Michael Jordan coming back from playing baseball? Uh, maybe no in the Space idea. Jam Maybe he's creating his I, own uh, thirty for thirty. <laughs> Max Comtois, by the way, Max Comtois. Co- thank you. I think that a reason why everything is so overblown with the fan reaction to him getting hurt is that when you're a team that's down three two, that's as like that is as juicy as it gets for whiteboard material. 
for yeah. whiteboard material. That is as rich as you're ever gonna get. You know, I think you that, know what's funny is. I immediately thought the same, but it can go either way on that. Like you just said, if he's pissed because someone coerced him to play, uh, the only reason I then thought you're that, almost like, but no, 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 yeah, I'm not. The only I'm, reason I thought that is because of the Kawhi situation, where there was a lot of head to head, and and once again, I'm not going to pretend that I'm a huge basketball expert. This is from what I pick up from a, a few people I chat. Yeah, you're with you're pretty bang on. You're pretty bang on. <laughs> That's I just, just it could go both ways, I guess. If it, I think it'll be like, let's win for KD. But if KD's yeah. pissed off and someone really made him play, and I'm wrong on the whole unselfish thing, it can blow up. It, it can blow up in your face. <laughs> I think though it will. I think it'll be a very unified Golden State uh, team and fan base. Ooh, um, it's it. I, I think it's gonna you, be hard. I think we're. I think we're looking be, at seven. Uh, we're talking about how crazy uh, sports arenas have been earlier in Toronto and just the city itself. Game six. In the Oracle, it's their last game. Win in the Oracle, yeah, yeah. Win, you get to go for one more. Uh, lose, well, it's the last game of the year. That place is gonna be on wheels, as we say. Yeah. And on that note, because uh, we're almost done, before I forget, because I've thought about it three times since we've been here. Yeah, guys, my plan. I haven't talked this over with you guys, but <laughs> the, the the Growlers just won, so I figure mm-hmm. give them a bit of a break. And yeah. two of the boys are on Team Canada ball hockey. Got to go over to fucking play in Europe today, actually. Uh, so what a game, by the way, to uh, hear. Ooh. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. You were up along, weren't you? I yeah, wish, yeah, you it, were it's up. really, really, for every reason, I, I wish the fuck I was here to watch it. Um, but, but I feel still part of it, having gone to the first uh, couple games and watching along on Twitter and being so proud of the boys. So what we're going to do, I'm going to shoot for Adam Party soon as well, but I'm, I'm giving them their space for this week and yeah, maybe yeah, yeah. even next. They're all probably still hung over. Um, yeah. And ju- but, but some of them <laughs> listen to this. What a fucking party they had, man. And, well, well, I tell you, I, I like went to the game. Have. I went to the game. I went out afterwards. Yeah. I kept it kind of sensible. I just went to my same watering hole. And uh, the next day, I, uh, I, I I didn't have to work. And uh, so me and a friend went over breakfast. And I went into the place, and there's a local little pub on my street, and I walk in, and it's about maybe 90% of the team. (laughs) And I'm just thinking, late, late night, or somehow miraculously early morning? Both. They had to be up for promotion (laughs) shit in the morning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, uh, uh, a lot of the fellas were on the same, a lot of the fellas were in the same clothes that I saw them celebrating on the ice. We'll we'll leave it at that. Sure. (laughs) We'll leave it at that. Uh, You were saying, though. Yeah, yeah. So I just wanted to like we're not. I I totally want to acknowledge all that. Oh yeah. But rather than repeat ourselves, yeah, yeah. I'm going to talk about a lot of that trip. Uh, and you know we'll get to Trevor Murphy's a buddy of mine too, and and guy behind the scenes that doesn't get enough credit down there. So I'm planning on having a few of them, and maybe even having maybe an episode or two towards that we'll really concentrate on all that. But just for the for the fans out here that don't know what I'm talking about, the East Coast Hockey League or the ECHL just wrapped up and our very own Newfoundland Growlers uh, won the Kelly Cup versus Toledo. and uh, In their inaugural six, season. Yeah, first season. In their season. first season. And, you know, a couple of great... There's four Newfoundlanders on the team, five, many more involved behind the scenes. But, you know, for a guy like Adam Party, it was his last game, and Zach O'Brien was the MVP. Uh, two very... And, and, you know, they all... <laughs> I mean, Melindy's as important. He's the captain, and Marcus Power was probably the most underrated guy, not only on the team but in the league. So, so they all did. Some, all the Newfoundlanders. It's Party's last game. You, you Party just, announced his retirement. Just, yeah, did he? Okay. he announced his retirement last week. Yeah, yeah. I didn't that know like that. Like day I after. I think he. I think he knew the whole yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, okay. 
And he, um, I talked to him this year just I a couple had, times. I, so had I had my suspicions. I had my suspicions. And uh, another big shout out because it was great to have him because uh, I, I saw him at the, I went down to the like the big rally they had after the parade. I missed the parade because apparently it was like really short, but I got down <laughs> to see like the rally on George Street that they had. And uh, it was really great to hear Brian Rogers, who his oh, name yeah. comes up, his name comes up in the interview that we do with uh, Jason McDonald, but uh, as your former broadcast partner. Yeah. Didn't um, know that. But uh, yeah, I mean, he's been, mm-hmm. he's been doing this shit for a long time. He's been with Pro hockey in in newfoundland from day one with the baby leafs coming all the way up through and uh it was really great for him to finally be able to uh be part of a championship and get to call call a championship uh alongside chris ballard uh and it was just yeah it was great for them to have such a great year for it i think guys it's shaping up to be in my mind one of the most interesting sports years i remember um remember tiger woods won this year Uh, if there was no other sports story this season tiger Tiger woods has won now we're gonna get uh, you know, if if St. Louis wins, I know you don't want this, but if they do, it'll add to another unique, the Newfoundland Growlers, right? It'll add to another, and for personally, I don't mind throwing it in, in September we won the uh, Masters World Ball Hockey Championship. So it seems to me, um, you know, on a personal level, yes, but... I mean, we won the Kill Gallon. <laughs> yeah, I'm not knocking any of that. Just no, I'm personally, just... I'm still one of the best wins of my life. I'll say it. It's all fucking relative. It's the same to me if we won the Calder Cup in the A, as if we, we won the ball hockey, and it was a great experience. But right, right since, and I'm I'm talking personally from yeah. there. But if you go back, even just just this see just this year since January, there's been a lot of great stories. And within the year, I forget a girl won the Canadian Open last year for a Canadian girl. Oh, I um, can't remember her name. The uh, it's a calendar year. The the golfer, you mean? Yeah, the Canadian golf. I can't. Yeah, yes, yeah, sorry, the Canadian golfer. Because I also um, and there's another. There's the, a the couple tennis of player. great tennis the, players. Yeah, yeah. Right, and then you get a record number of. Uh, uh, Canadians in the NBA. Yeah. I'm spitballing here off the top yeah. of my head. These are all major stories that haven't happened before. Oh, even on a local level, the St. John's Edge make the final. Yeah. yeah. Right? Carl yeah. English gets hurt, comes back. I mean, that story is now is, is only a year and a half old. It seems old. But the St. John's Edge, a pro basketball team in Newfoundland, are averaging almost 4,000 fans a game. I mean, holy fuck. What an environment it's down so there, It's so fun too. to go down. Yeah, yeah. It's totally. a lot of fun. Are, are we forgetting... You know, and let's say even in recent history on a local level, like we won the Briar two years ago, yeah. or and in the I was hunt, down there we, for that. Eh? Yeah, me that too. Was like, wild. It's been some. Wild, I was in Trinidad for that. It's just. Um, it's been like it's, if you want unique look, at, even I'll say, people might argue with me because I brought this up the other day. We we're having a few beers in Toronto, and I brought up even New England. Someone's like, "Well, that's not new." I'm like, "It is though." Yeah, they, they're. Just, by them winning, it, it's not like Boston winning now and yeah. the, the Bruins because you know. That, that's a really successful team to get two cups in a decade. But to win this many, what's it, Beatty, like five or six? Or it just, he's got... He's 43? Like, yeah. to me, this story, and he's almost... The former Montreal Expo. Yeah, yeah, really. Hold on, hold on. Um, he's 43 years old? He's at least my age. I'm 42, yeah. Yeah, Holy he is. Fuck. So, for him to keep doing... that Again, there's... There's 30 fucking teams or 32. He's, he's 41. He's the same age as you, but his birthday's in August. Okay. So I knew it. He's, he's a 77. So he's still doing that. I'm still playing senior hockey in fucking Newfoundland, and people think that's a big deal. Can you imagine? <laughs> Winning the Super Bowl. You know, can you Six imagine that shit? Holy fuck. Yeah. Like, I'm going, I, there's only so many. Like Chara's one thing to me, and that really, but, you know, he changes game. I guess he's a stay-at-home defenseman. It helps if you're seven feet tall. Yeah. I, I can kind of see how it happened. To be honest, Jagger impressed me more by getting 20 goals when he was still 45 or whatever yeah, the fuck yeah, it yeah. was. But, you know, was for, 51 for Tom Brady's, 
Yeah, really. <laughs> for Tom Brady to still be doing it, I mean, love him or hate him, I'm kind of impartial. I'm not a New England Patriots fan, but I looked at it this year and said, you know, this is incredible. And you go down the line, almost every sport has something that's happened uh, in very re- and, and, and in, in a lot of those categories, like tennis, basketball, and fuck yeah, hockey, ball hockey. Canada is is going up with a bullet. Uh, specifically, not that I'm into either one of them, crazy amount, basketball and tennis, yeah, uh, which is great to see. Uh, and I think a lot of times, you guys remember a couple of years ago when there was a big uprise, we didn't have enough people representing the Olympics and people were questioning you know, yeah. where we were spending our money. Well, look, I don't know about Olympics, but our programs in Canada are, are second to none. And the only thing I think that got to fucking shape up is soccer. For some reason, we fucking suck. We're rated like 200th out of 180 countries. I don't even and know it's, how it's possible. So yeah, weird, you brought this up. You brought this up before. Soccer's yeah. been so big in someone, Canada for such a long time. Like I remember yeah, being not good on a national someone, level. Yeah, someone, like, gave, just, uh, someone gave someone gave a a reason on uh, Twitter that made sense though. Uh, no, I know what was happening was we were here and it was during a playoff game and we had the game on. It was the it was the Pittsburgh uh, Islanders game. We had the game on the TV and when it was over, soccer came on. And uh-huh. and then while that was happening, you were like watching a bit of the soccer game, you know, and that's what happened. Because I went, just the last two yeah. years, I consciously got into soccer. Like, yeah, I didn't understand all those teams. And then I started watching the premiership and then the top 20, I think it is. And I, I like the idea of it, how. At the end of the season, like the first couple, the, the, the first couple of teams in the B division go up to the A, and the last couple of teams go down. Relegated. And, and yeah. then I love the whole FA Cup thing where anybody can play anybody. Like Mount yeah, Pearl yeah. Blades can play the Toronto Maple Leafs uh, <laughs> in relativity. Yeah, yeah. And you know the odd in soccer, the odd time someone yeah. like gets one shot and it's a penalty kick and they win. I love those storylines, so I, I got into it. I said I'm going to try to teach myself. And that that being said, there's a 16 year old Canadian kid in soccer as well. He plays for Chelsea. Or he's going to. He played his first couple of games this year. So there oh, is. Oh yeah, yeah. There are individual. Yeah, I forget his name. There's individual stories, but for some reason, we we cannot get better at soccer. And I mean, we're behind like teams that. Again, I don't want to sit here and judge all these countries, but there's countries like. Ethiopia that probably, you know, we definitely have more money to put into our program. So I'm not sure. I know you make the argument, well, you know, there's there's only a ball that's needed. I know, man, but we got training facilities. The only, it's the only mystery to me is why we suck at bas- or at soccer, but everything else we're getting better at. Yeah. All right, we've got a mandate from TR Canada. Yeah. Get better at yeah. soccer. It's 20, yeah. when, when's the next fucking World Cup? Do better. <laughs> um, I'll tell you what. We're going to take a minute. We're going to listen to uh, a word from our uh, friends at Miller Lite, who are good friends of the show and a sponsor, of course. Uh, then we're going to come back, and we're going to listen to our interview with uh, Jason McDonald. And then when that's over, we'll come back, and uh, we'll have a chat about the last couple things before uh, I go stress out about this game. Vitals so, check, Mike. It's fine. It's down. It's at 80. What's, oh, that's wow. up, I think, from where it was last time I looked. <laughs> anyway, here's here's a word from the, the fine people at uh, Miller. Wait, I got to double check because I can't remember. I, yeah, I, I'm, I, I don't want to hit the wrong button. did head check. I, I don't want to hit the wrong button here. I think it's this one. Here's a few things to know when opening an ice-cold Miller Lite. They brew their beer to 90 calories and 3 grams of carbs per 355 milliliter serving. And they also brew for great taste. It's this great Pilsner taste that's made Miller Lite a favorite for our beer drinkers everywhere. Miller Lite, 90 calories, 3 grams of carbs. It's Miller time. Ladies and gentlemen, it gives me great pleasure to welcome to Third Man In podcast this week my good buddy, former Abbey Centennial, Plater, Red Wing, Storm Canadian, 
Canadian national team member, St. John Flame, Manitoba Moose, Orlando Solar Bear, Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguin, New York Ranger, St. John's Maple Leaf, and Providence Bruin. Jason McDonald. J-Mac, how the hell are you, buddy? PR. Long time no see, buddy. Long time. I think this might be the longest we've gone without seeing each other. Uh, you're in you're in Wilkes you're in Wilkesbury right now, right? I am. I'm in Wilkesbury, Scranton, and uh, beautiful day down here. I see. And just uh, hanging out, hanging out today with your son. Yeah. I, I remember your son's name is Jagger. I've lost track of time. How old is Jagger now? Jagger is actually he was 12 in March, and um, yeah, it's been. I guess I've been, I've always been back and forth, but it's probably been a little more than five or six years. I kind of flipped my residence and more so down here in the last little while, TR. So I, I haven't been up in the Maritimes myself either to cross paths with yourself or any of the boys lately. Um, no, but I, I gather just seeing some pictures here and there that you're having a good time and you're definitely getting better weather. I'm going to ask okay. Jagger, named after Mick? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, oh. Yeah. But actually, you know what? To tell you the truth, and one of your good guys' buddies is uh, Harold Drukens' young falls called Jagger, and I think I actually stole it off of him. To tell you the truth, it was around the same time. Oh, okay, I think Drukens' okay. kid is like was, thirteen. And Jagger's like... mother loved that name, and that's actually where we did get it. So don't let Drukens know you stole it, though. You might have to settle right. something during the during the oh four oh five season, which we will get to. <laughs> The chaos that was the St. John's Maple Leaf. Oh, I'm, I'm logged on yeah. here for this. Oh, yeah. I heard chaos. Okay, I was the podcast guy. It was, and, and it was. There's some good stories there, but we'll get there. <laughs> what we're going to do with J-Mac, and just to preface this with, um, I, I guess, any any uh, long-time listeners, <laughs> that would have been three months we started in but January. Dude, this is episode 20. Come on Yeah, now. true. So 20, yeah. But people would know that I've, I've had Steve Parsons on here, and we've also had David Ling on here. So before we start, Jason McDonald is a real good friend of mine. He's real good friends with David Ling. They grew up somewhat together in Charlottetown. They're around the same age. Um, I think Linger's one year older. And uh, they also, Steve Parsons. So remember we talked about that St. Paddy's Day massacre with Steve Parsons and how crazy it was, and he set like the record with 60-something minutes on one play. <laughs> well, Jason was the other guy on his team with his shirt off in that brawl. Jason's, oh, Jason equally has a story to tell, um, and, and we'll get to that. But there, there are, so point being... As you're listening to these shows, Taran Sandwith was on here. They played uh, against each other for years. Um, there are a lot of uh, commonalities here and a lot of parallels, and we're going to intersect a lot. I find a lot now on the show we're starting to intersect stories, which is a good thing. It shows you how small the hockey world is. I was going to say, right. it shows a, a, a definite sense of community with, with guys that oh, yeah. played in the same times and up and down the ranks. Especially in our era, because our era was one of those. Mac will be, like I said, we got a lot in common. I'm just... Mac was the type, you know, best year in the A, 25 goals, fucking 283 penalty minutes. Uh, and I'll get to that too, but just one of that one of Mac's one of those kind of players. But numbers that you would say, how in the fuck did you not get up to the NHL immediately? But anyway, we're going to start way back. Cuz you started, you're from Charlottetown, right? Uh, Jason? Yes. Yep. So you played born and raised Charlottetown and uh, like you said the Charlottetown Abbey's coached by Forbes Kennedy. The great uh, Forbes Kennedy. Um, I played for him, Terry, when I was 15 years old. And actually, just to throw in a Newfoundland, we played in the finals against the Avalon. You guys probably know the name better than I back in 1989. But that's where we had our um, provincial finals. That's where it started with the Charlottetown Abbeys. Wow. Um, I'm looking yeah, at it, J-Mac. So 
35 points, 221 minutes as a 15-year-old. Dude, <laughs> honestly, like sometimes, I, because I, I, I did that and I thought it was really unique and since I've, you know, I was so drunk on my own story that they're, they're, this has been like the third or fourth guest that played as a 14 or 15-year-old and had 200 minutes, J-Mac. He must have gotten right at it. Now, I know with Forby as a coach and especially growing up in Charlottetown, you guys knocked around with some tough guys. Was that a conscious move to get a lot of penalty minutes or were you just pissed off? Well, you know, uh, you know what? Not really. I mean, just uh, we were. I was a second-year band playing, and I mean, I, I, you know, back in those days, you always hear the stories about the fighting and this and that. So, I, you obviously, you're subconscious of it. But I mean, I definitely didn't go in wanting to do all that. But, um, and then you hear your name thrown around the OHL draft and this and that, and you think you have to do more of it. So, it's it's definitely um, became part of. Uh, my game, I guess, right out of the gate, and and Forby, <laughs> Forby didn't discourage any of that back in those days. <laughs> How was he so, as a coach, man? For those of you that don't know, we could have a whole ten episodes on Forby, <laughs> Forbes Kennedy stories, and maybe we'll get into that sometime when we'll have my dad back on the show. He's one of my dad's fucking heroes. But um, you know, what was it like? I know it's a general question, but you know, playing for him. You know, and like, and I look back nowadays at all the all the different coaches that we had and stuff. And he, he Forby, takes the cake as far as uniqueness because he taught you to be a man. You know, Linger and I always talk about it, this and that, laughing and stuff. But uh, he taught you to be a man, and he taught you to to stand up for yourself, be a good team player, and you know all those things. We weren't so much systems and any of that talk back in those days. So you know, we kept the game. You kept the game being taught as simple. So, I mean, I, I, Forby and his sons, Mike and Gary, they're part of, they're really good friends of mine and like family. So, I mean, I only, uh, Forby did nothing but help my career and punch it off in the right direction, you know, for sure. And Linger, I can probably speak for Linger too and I had a lot of other people. Yeah, no, I get the sense of, I mean, for those that don't know, I still go to PEI. I'm going to go in there again in a month. For a golf tournament, uh, great people, very similar to Newfoundlanders when we get to know each other, especially at that time. We, we, we didn't only identify as Atlantic Canadians, but we all threw the mitts a little bit, and it brings you tighter together. There's one thing I've noticed. Uh, so uh, uh, We've had two uh, PEI tough guys on now, like you know, guys that could just munch minutes, <laughs> and they're always so friendly on the phone. <laughs> well, you know, yeah, I mean, David, David Ling and, and, and uh, now Jason yourself, it's almost like, I can't picture this guy starting a fight. Like, you know, maybe he can well, finish it. Well, J-Mac has uh, bipolar <laughs> disorder, so by the end of the interview, he'll be able to fucking flip out or some shit. But, you know, don't speak too soon. I'm only, I'm only kidding. Uh, you're right. But the, the thing is, though, Chuck, um, I find, and maybe, maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong here, Jason, but we always, like, the first thing, first of all, there's a, there's a, commonality and an appreciation and respect amongst guys that throw the mitts and we weren't on one end or the other we were in the middle we all three of us were middleweights so we mid to heavy too we'd fight the heavies so i think you you really have an understanding uh, when you do that and now it's an appreciation for the era but at the time you know and even now to be from atlantic canada like j mac the first this is true the first thing jace or david ling ever said to me on the ice was hey you're from uh, Newfoundland. Hey, he said I'm from PEI. That was at the CHL All Star Game before I fucking burned him. Um, <laughs> but the same thing, and you're not going to believe this, guys. But Jason uh, Frenchie, they called you then. Jason played in Saint uh, Fredericton the year before me, but I didn't know him. And I swear to God, yeah. we fought in Saint John in, two, in 99, 2000, maybe 98, 99. 
Jason and I fought, and that's the first thing he said to me. He said, oh, you're, you're Terry Wright from Newfoundland. I said, yeah, 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 you're, you're Linger's buddy from PEI. He said, yeah, I guess we got to go. I kind of got the tap to go. Anyway. But that I is. Your prop, yeah, you got the best to me that time, too, right in front of the bench, I must say. Well, I, you, yeah. we, we slipped, I think, is what happened. I ended up oh, on top. Well, yes, uh, you're being friendly. I'll say that. You slipped. You're always quick to get the mitts off and get them going, buddy. All right, like, uh, <laughs> yeah, well, I wasn't going to let you get them off. I'm giving anybody the chance to get one off quick, and yeah. I like that. You taught me a lesson, actually. <laughs> well, and, and that once it's on, once it's game on, it's game on. There's a, there's, a bit, there's a fine line between suckering a guy and you've both agreed and your gloves are already oh, yeah, off. No, <laughs> oh, far from no, no. That's like, yeah. I got to master that myself as I got going on through. So. Well, that and that was rather early in our careers. And the other thing, um, you know, and point being the same thing when I fought Cam Russell. He said, you're a Maritimer, eh? And whatever it is, like when you're a Maritimer in that league or in those leagues in the pro ranks, you really, really, uh, you feel like it's a tight community. There's only so many of us. I, I don't know. There's probably only 20 respect or 30. for each other because you know how hard it is, not you know, to come out of the Maritimes, not saying – um, you know, but we, we, we got a battle out of here, right? It's not like you're downtown Oshawa or Peterborough and they're coming to watch you every night. They come on a word and they might come out, what, twice a weekend to see you. So yeah. you got to be tons of flying, Yeah, you better, right? have, you better have a good game at the tournaments because no one's flying to Charlottetown to watch you. You know what I mean? <laughs> no, like, they're not. I remember thinking that, like, and that was a big thing. Like, Dad would pat me on the back. And each time I, like, went to a tournament on the mainland, it was like, it was, it was an unwritten and unsaid thing. But it was almost as if, you know, this is your chance, obviously. So, like, no one's going to come watch you fucking play in Grand Falls kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and nothing against Grand Falls. Okay, so from Grand there, Falls you, you go, Grand Falls wins. Oh, you yeah. just had to get it in there. <laughs> yeah, and I, man, I'm one of those. I say Grand Falls. But, I still do, too, but I um, know. That's it. I know, yeah. I'm gonna. I'm only offending a small percentage of people because that's true, so yeah. fuck them. It's Grand Falls to me. <laughs> um, so, uh, but listen, J Mac, you go up. So, what was the in the North Bay? Did you get drafted in the North Bay Centennials or and and you know you? Yeah. Okay. I did when I got drafted that year. I was I went seventh overall in the OHL draft to Burt Templeton. Jesus, I didn't know you went Centennial. seventh, dude. Seventh overall. Seventh. Wow. Yeah. Oh my! Okay, I, I'm I'm that listening. Overall, you just uh, gained more respect than you already had in my books. Keep going. <laughs> to North Bay, Burt Templeton. That was um, we. I I have lots of Burt Templeton stories. Yeah, I, I heard it from Brad it. Brown. There you go, boys. Brad Brown was another guest of ours. Played with J Mac oh, up there in Burt Templeton. Ray Brown. He played in the same team, but he probably said, you know, Burt used to sit at the back of the bus with a cooler full of beer and just abuse your game after critique your game all the way back. <laughs> Did he really? <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Like, yeah. was he chirping like the like the guy? Uh, in the, I, I think Brad Brad yeah, said he was like the guys in the Muppet Show, Staldorf and Adler. Right out of the gate, he told me I was the worst first rounder that he ever took. <laughs> wow! No. Wow! Right up halfway up the bus, you're sitting up there thinking about PEI, right? Trying to get the homesickness over, and uh, Bert, Bert was just filling you full of uh, confidence. <laughs> it's, like the, it's like that old gag. It's like, well, we'll tear you down, rebuild you, and then tear you down yeah. again. And if there's time before you get drafted in the NHL, we'll rebuild you one last time. So for Jamie Crusoe, he 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 was a whipping boy for Bert too. I remember. God bless Bert, he's gone. But I mean, he was a really good man. That was just the way those guys were back then, as you know. As, oh, as I know. know. Yeah, I've heard. I mean, that, right. You know, Mike <laughs> Keenan's a good guy. There's a. It was just a different. <laughs> it was just a different way. Like the, the only one again I came across that that crossed the line into being an asshole was M Michelle Terrian. But you know, he, he was following in his defense. 
he was that was a strategy. It, it wasn't always a reaction. He he didn't react like an asshole. Mike would plan it. He would plan to get in your head. But I mean, he was taking cues from other coaches that weren't quite as bad. Now that being said, so J Mac as a sixteen year old though, I'm looking at your points. That's not bad. Fifty seven games. Not bad. Underage. Not too bad. No, twenty seven. Again, very similar. My first year, I had thirty three points. I played ten more games. You had fifty seven games. 27 points, 126 minutes, also through the mitts. So then why the so next the, year? You almost got a point a game the next year, and you get traded to Owen Sound. Did you ask for that? No, you know, with North Bay was going after uh, Memorial Cup. Everybody was trying to beat the Sault Ste. Marie Greyhounds back then, right? Ted Nolan's team. So I got traded to a younger oh, Owen fuck Sound. yeah, they won it, didn't they? They, they won it in 94, did they? Sorry. Yeah, Sault Ste. Marie won it in 94. I think they... they North Bay didn't advance past the third round. Yeah, you're right. Um, Sorry. I, I went to Owen Sandwich, probably a blessing in disguise, lots of ice time, and, and was able to get to have a couple of good uh, 18, 19-year-old seasons, you know? so. Well, I mean, 18, a couple of good ones. Like, I'm looking at this again, J-Mac. 56 games, 92, 93, 89 points. Like, again, 56 fucking games. Right, like the year, yeah. I, my best year, I had 110 points, but again, I played 70 games. That's 14. I'm not, not that I'm comparing. I'm saying we're, no, we're no, similar but, players. You know what, you, and you know, I know what it's like. This. And it's funny because yeah. my third year, you, my third year, my left winger was Andrew Burnett. Oh, uh, right? yeah, I remember oh, him yeah. in Portland and Minnesota. Burnett is now. So, I mean, nobody could get the puck off Bruno, especially on the power play. And I had a lot of power play goals that year. And then I remember Detroit saying, you know, we are you going to be able to put these numbers up again because they're you know everybody's kind of saying that Andrew Burnett, you know, people can score with Andrew Burnett, obviously, and power play, blah blah blah. But I did as you a nineteen-year-old, fucking fifty-five, back, was able to get fifty-five with you know two guys that were just flingers. So, um, yeah, yeah. But then then went to the American League and and found out how hard it is to score at the next couple of levels, right? <laughs> oh fuck yeah! And you, you had some prospects play with too, where Wayne Primo. Um, look at this. So, but but Mac, this is the other thing. 177 minutes to go with 116 points that year. 55 goals. Yeah. I mean, these are numbers that wouldn't surprise me if the next season you started in the NHL. They well, really would. I, yeah, I got some games down in Detroit and exhibition games, and I was right down to the final. Final few guys is they keep you keep around, right? But I got a couple exhibition games. Those were the years they were doing well. And I just got down to Glens Falls and Adirondack, and, and um, my off ice started to be a little shady. Not too bad, but I just like to have a good time, right? And I think maybe maybe <laughs> that hampered a little bit, you know? I love um, I love the honesty. It probably did, yeah, J-Mac, but we it all... what it is, right? So, Back there, the, don't um, you remember in those days... Like, people just saying, like, I remember putting it on the wall, like, PH squared, man. Party hard, play hard, party hard. And yeah. it was like, you know, especially if you were a guy that dropped the mitts. <laughs> I, like, I like that you're starting party hard first, and then you wait, no, yeah. I should correct it, play hard, yeah, party yeah. hard. Play hard, party <laughs> hard, play hard. But, but it was really like, and now there, uh, there's a limit. I, I'm not saying everybody should be fucking shit-canned all the time. I do miss, right. I think the game needs more people hanging out and having a beer instead of playing Fortnite the night before games and shit, you know? Because, I mean, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. uh, there were also times, J-Mac, you know, you go out to the keg, you have a meal, you have two or three beer, you feel good, you're with the boys. You and I did overdo it many a night. And I'm not definitely not condoning all that stuff, um, but it was almost part of it, wasn't it back then? Like I remember, even with the other team, 
like looking at it and going, well, if enough guys over there stay out and enough of us stay out, and like and, and you know you just pounding, yeah. pounding rum and cokes. It was always yeah. it, it was usually if you, you were with the boys, it was one thing, and I I remain almost every night going with the boys. I don't remember ever staying in and just doing nothing. When well, I say with the boys having a meal and, and a beer or two, if you didn't have a game the next day and you happened to be in a city. I don't know, like like Wilkes-Barre or whatever. Like I remember going out. You you happen to get there two nights before, and you go out, and the other team goes out too. And you're I mean you're pounding booze. It was almost like a rite of passage. I've got a question That's for right. both of you now. Uh, who was your hardest coach on that? Like who was the, the, the coach oh, you that was the most that against I've... that? You go first, Jamie. Well, it's the very first team, and I mean, I played for, it was a Newell Brown. He still coaches. I don't like to be saying names, but I mean, I remember this one incident that got myself into hot water, and I mean, looking back, the guy was obviously just doing his job, um, trying to keep a bunch of guys in check, but I was in Portland, Maine for two weekends against the Pirates, and like TR was saying, uh, Portland's a nice little town to go out and in. Oh, it's beautiful. On a Saturday, Friday, Saturday night, so we sauntered down there on a Friday. I remember Newell um, was sitting up in the lobby on a Friday and caught a few for coming in and kind of, you know, let the older guys go, but really kind of leaned on myself and a couple other young guys. Okay. So this was on a Friday night after the game, but Saturday night we ended up maybe sweeping the weekend. So we went back downtown again. I think we played somewhere on Sunday, but I thought I'd amp her up again on Saturday night. <laughs> Test the waters <laughs> and uh, strolled in late night, and Newell was setting up somewhere around the corner, and I got plucked again oh, um, twice on the same weekend on the on the old um, on the curfew. So I actually went down to a little spin down to Toledo for about a month. That was to get my attention right down. I was wondering league. why. Okay, I was going to say to you, your numbers oh. in the A are good. Even that year, oh. for you only played 43 games. You get 22 points, 99 minutes. You were on your way to a decent year, but that was why yeah. the Toledo. So I was setting yeah, it up. He, I did my homework yeah. here. But still. Well, he didn't really, um, you know, college coach, you know, his favorites a little bit. I the CHL guy from the Maritimes maybe would like to drink a little bit much. I don't think was his well, favorite, right? The other thing is, though, J-Mac, and I will say this, because um, J-Mac and I both played with guys who had problems. We were right, like, you know, and even now, like, I, I might go three weeks, often more, without drinking. I, so for me, it was going out with the boys. It was definitely like, trying to pick up women. It was definitely part of it. So any, anything that happened <laughs> in the club. Wouldn't have guessed. Definitely. Well, I, it's part of it. I, I mean, I'm not, I didn't I'm not even trying. Like... Well, you know, J-Mac, I'm not even trying to be, like, trying to be Mr. fucking Rico Suave when I say that. I, I don't know if, if that was, wasn't that everybody's goal? Like, we would go out. Like, the, the point of the night was, you know, if we're going to get drunk, would be, you know, try to find some women or what. I'm not saying every guy. Like, there was guy was single. I have nothing to that's, complain. That's every guy, not even hockey players, I yeah, think. Yeah, right. So I remember you used to say that. Um, but, like, but you and I, and, you know, much more like it, I can't think I can't think of a guy who really went to war and, and fought. And, and what, like, my role was almost to keep that line. Like, they expected me on most teams because I like to drink them from Newfoundland, and they knew that I'm used to it, and I might not go over the line. Like, I wasn't a substance abuser. I was a party animal. And, like, if, you know what I mean? If there was, right. a, if there was a party, 
I'm going to get, I'll be the one to dance on the table. Guys, I'm going to get these drinks for us. I'm going to go on stage and I'm going to sing and I'm going to get all these girls over to dance with us and sit with us. It was about fun. But you're not sitting home alone in your apartment getting fucking soused by yourself, right? No, no, that was never the case. I'm not saying it wasn't with others, but I never read, like, Meg told that story. I I, I never really even got nabbed other than that Michelle Terrian time where... Mm. He skated us, and I told the story last time. Yeah. And, and Mac was kind of the same. Like, we really, really treaded a line. But in a way, we were expected to take the boys out. Like, the, I played on numerous teams that, and so did you, man. I remember the respect you had in, in, in Wilkes-Barre, Jason, uh, where the coach had, like, if it was a night out, he'd come down and give me two grand and say, make sure everybody has a good time. You know, we were all wow. set. Wow. And I, I remember that. No, but it, not, in other words, well, I was, I used make to be sure we have a team meal. or when we... When we used to go to the Rock, too, sorry to cut you off there. Mm-hmm. Glenn Patrick, he used to love going up to St. John's. He would be just he'd be just clicking his heels together getting off oh, the I'm, plane. I'm loving this. I just rearranged my seating at the, at the notion <laughs> of Glenn Patrick loving coming to Newfoundland, so thank you for bringing this up. He did, yeah. So he used to, to Terry's point, he'd, uh, I'd always be in church, make sure the boys had a good time. So um, we... Uh, I think most of the time, and yeah, <laughs> Most of the time, I think that was kind of expected, and there were times, like you just said, where, and that, that was maybe going to happen. I think now you'd probably be fired off the team. There was just, there, there was way, way more leash back then. Like, I remember guys, and I'm not going to get into it. I'm not going to get into it and say who, but Jason and I both saw a, a, a teammate of ours. I won't say when, I won't say where. We saw him doing crack. Like, and it's, I've, I've seen crack cocaine twice in my life. I could not believe it came out, and it did. And this guy, you know, went in and he he got he ended up getting the help he needed, and he certainly yep. turned his life around. I won't get into it, and he's he's been very open and honest, or I wouldn't try to sell him out. But that sort of thing happened, and so Mac and I also had to try to leave. Here we are, like almost as hypocrites, because you got to mm. go to those guys and like, a, mm-hmm. you know, you can't party at all. I'm gonna go out and and have tequila tonight and try to bang a chick. You know what I mean? Like so. <laughs> But you, you yeah. make sure to go to a movie. and But there was, well, there was that part of it, too. And a lot of that stuff, and now I'm not, crack is completely not normal. Yeah. I'm not saying it is. Yeah. It was one of the only times in my life I ever came across it. But you, there were people amongst us that you often didn't see that had major, major, major league problems, right? And uh, yeah. that sort of thing often comes out afterwards. They would deal with it, you know. They would just yeah. deal with it because they would think of it as being weakness or they couldn't do this or that. And that's why you have a lot of these, you know, a lot of our buddies or a lot of, teammates coming out with a lot of issues now and live reaching out for help really you know it's it's um and it like you said it's probably not as much now prevalent with the young kids because they're spent a lot of time you know the scouts and the organization spend a lot more time on them because they realize that from years before you know the tail end of our well terry the tail the tail end of when we were playing they're basically ufc guys that are trained fighters out there at the end of it with skates on yeah, you know, oh my and god, that's what it is. You know, <laughs> oh, yeah. if they're missing you with a punch, they're coming through with an elbow. <laughs> and, and, oh, oh yeah, man! Imagine, and, and we had to go um, all those guys, J Mac. I often say it. You know, like we were out there, like trying to pop goals, and like at the same time, in my head, like I wasn't thinking like defend myself. I was thinking like, okay, next shift I might have to fight Mark Major. I might have to fight Frank <laughs> Bialoas, or I might have to fight Steve McLaren. Yeah. Like those are like. Those are unbelievably scary thoughts at times, and you got to still go out and like. And the toughest part of all of it, I often said, like, I didn't mind taking a punch. I found it hard in other areas, like going in front of the net with big, tough defensemen. Um, uh, you know, because they yeah. let everything go, J Mac. They'd let everything yeah. go. I mean, can, 
What was the hardest part of the game for you? What did you find? I don't know, the hitting, the fighting, what? Yeah, well, yeah, to your point, the same thing. I mean, the fight in the actual, when you get out there and did it, it wasn't the lead-up wasn't fun, right? Definitely the night yeah. before when you were, yeah. um, the night and before you get to sucked. sleep, if you, you know, and you're thinking that maybe, uh, like <sighs> you say, you have to McLaren and uh, Trevor Gillies and Goda, oh, maybe geez. if they're not in a good mood, that they are out there doing something, right? And to your point, we're middleweight, that was middleweight, but I didn't want anybody, I didn't want any of those guys taking liberties either, fuck it, right? I'd either try to sucker them out there or do something. It was like, but that would make you nervous the night before. It would, <laughs> and, and then a lot of the time, you'd have to make the first move. I've often said that people are like, why did you go after Frank Bialoas? So I'm like, because I didn't want to wait for him to come after me. And, you That's know, right. it's, if I, you know, it's not always poking the bear, and pissing the bear off. Sometimes it's poking the bear to show a bit of dominance and balls. Like, cause you know, you know, those guys respected that. Um, and you yeah. know, it, it, that's, that's actually an interesting perspective. And, uh, I was going to ask that a little bit later, but right now what I want to get into J Mac is the year before I met, you now. the next season after all this, right. You go to Freddie, right. Yeah, Freddie was, uh, was, yeah, well, was, yeah. I got in that trouble on Portland, like I was telling you about, yeah. and actually Detroit traded me to Fredericton just for cash that year, just basically, it wasn't That's even right. a player involved at the end of the season, um, but I went up there actually and turned it around and had my best numbers Did you ever? in the American League, even 13 years later, you know, those were my best sets of numbers when I went up there. 22 so goals. You were a first rounder. I played right wing, and you look at the game now. You were a right winger. You know, blah 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 blah. But yeah, no. Uh, and that's how I got to the Canadian national team. Andy Murray, who was actually out there, is where I went from Fredericton that year. Because after those numbers, Terry, I couldn't get a job. It's amazing. Twenty-two goals numbers, and one hundred and eighty-nine right? penalty minutes. That to but, me, like, I, like, I don't even know how you weren't battling for that. That's like a third line in the NHL right there. Like, that's what I want. Yep. If I'm looking at the American League, I want guys 20 goals, 200 minutes, anywhere around it. I'm inviting them all to camp to play on my third line. And you didn't get an invite? I That was probably the best year I had, and I often tell people, okay, when I went up to the Rangers seven years later, I was a better player. I, I, was, I was still the same, but I mean, I wouldn't say that out. But I was a better player. I had a better, better years before that, you know. And, and I mean... Don't get me wrong. I was still working my bag off and doing what they had to do, but the numbers and what you would think, looking at it, you know, to our point, it just some it's all. I mean, right, right place, right time, this and that. But it took it took um, you know Jimmy Schoenfeld and and Sather liking what I was doing down in Hartford at twenty eight to give me my games. Uh, you and, know, and we'll get 20, there. And I love that you brought numbers. up Jimmy Schoenfeld, his senior. That's my dad's old teammate. That's the uh, the orange peel comment, boys. Oh yeah, 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 I picked up on the name right away. Um, yeah, Max got. Shoney was a good guy. I like Shoney. He was our GM in Hartford that year, and um, and gave you an opportunity. Uh, yeah. I had two really good fights with Trevor Gillies that year out of the gate. And he, Jesus, J Mac. He hits. He's in my, too many. That's in my too many. In my <laughs> new book, I got. I, I've been hit. I said, like, what's the three hardest punches? It, it probably would have been yeah. Domi, but he didn't hit me straight on as much. So let's just ignore the Ty Domi, the obvious one. And my three, yeah. my three are Ryan Vandenbush, Mark Morrow, who played back when you did. He's my age, but you remember yeah. that fucking guy. Actually, he played with you. Uh, and yeah, fucking he- Trevor Gillies. Trevor Gillies hit me so hard that I opened my eyes. Like, he didn't knock me out. 
But I like I went black for a second. I opened my eyes on the ground and I was sick to my stomach. It was the only fight I ever remember. Like I wanted to puke on the ice on the way to the box. And he was just I looked up and he All was right. just full mean, of madness. Like a junkyard fucking dog. Yeah, he's pure madness. You he was looking right through me. Now that being said yeah. that being said, we ended up hanging out and being buddies after that. But yeah, great oh, guy. Fuck. I know him. Um, mm. I was telling not to lot, I took my son was in a hockey tournament at Niagara Falls this weekend. And a lot of you run into guys. I run into you played against them. Um, hardcore Jordy Kinnear. Yeah. Uh, long story short, we were chatting, and the same thing we're chatting about now. We're laughing about players now, this and that. How much the game's changed. But you, you're talking about who hits hard. You know who? Hit, and you played junior against him. My first year in the American League. Adirondack, we we had nobody up there, myself and Jamie Pusher, and Albany was loaded with guys. Anyway, Jamie Pusher used to tell me, he's like, Mac, make sure, because I used to, I, mean, I told him I'm going to try, try Hulse, keep it high oh, KO fuck. That was my first fight in the Western just, League. He just used to torch me in front of the net TR. Oh, fuck, so big, to tough, push, looked like Frankenstein. Pusher's like, make sure you know he's a lefty. So didn't make oh. a difference. I dropped the mitts, and I fucking wake up over in the penalty box, and I'm trying to figure out what team I'm on. I, <laughs> I was holding my jersey out, not a word of a lie. I had this on tape. I go to Albany's bench trying to get in the defense door, and they're fucking pushing me away. Like, oh, my God. J-Mac, yeah. so my, I was... The only time I've been my bell rung where I didn't know where I was. And he was, if, if I'm not mistaken, he throws lefts. Right? Oh, left. Right I, on think, the I think he was debriefed oh. that he was yeah. lefty. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good tip. I got to admit. And watch Jay out. Mac, he's a lefty. Oh, yeah. Bush was right. He said, watch for the left. He wasn't lying. It was a left. Um, my first game. And water left. First game in the Western League. I'm brought up as a 15-year-old. As a 15-year-old, I'm allowed my three games. I'm sitting on the bench, and I'm like, fuck it. And I look at Lank Cowan. A few Lanks is a young guy, too, but he's a year older than me. Uh, so I was 15. He's 16. Ah, uh, fuck, like Jason Bowen is there, a few more, and I'm going, well, fuck it. Like, if I go do that, though, it's going to be insane. Like, does anybody do that? And I remember the boys are going, no. I said, does anybody 15 years old get called up? I said, fight, let alone the toughest guy. I said, well, who's the toughest? And they pointed that John Baduke was one guy and Kale Hulse yeah, was John. the other. And I said, well, Hulse yeah. is a better player, isn't he? In other words, I might as well take him off the ice. And I went out and fuck me, he fall. Oh my God, I got it somewhere at home. I almost feel I should post it. I couldn't. I couldn't even get my like. He he held both of my hands together, like you know that cla- like that. He yeah. He held both of my arms together with one hand and just fed yeah. me with the other. I couldn't get out of the way. I was trying to put my visor down. It was awful. He kicked the living shit out of me. And the boys used to call him Frankenstein, this big guy, and he had this long face. But he ended up marrying a supermodel and stayed in Phoenix, I believe. Not that I had crazy-looking eyes on him. Crazy-looking eyes. Like, his, hockey like he was on heroin out. his hockey DB picture is fucking terrifying. Yeah, it's Because he's got, like, a broken nose, so he's got, like, a scar across his bridge, yeah. too. It's like, oh, it just... He throws some mean left jackhammers, and he didn't really like to do it. That was a scary thing I heard about him after, but I was like, yeah, eh. he's one of those guys that were, um, you know... He had, look. he had the look, Island. and he, you know, he had that stick. Those guys were—he was a D-man in front of the net back then. Like the Western League guys would let fights go. They would like it, it was the A too. I'm, I'm not only, and the O was nuts then too. But I'm, I'm just saying, like from my experience, right. there was you know there was chaos yeah. going to break out at any minute, and no one—the thing that no one brings up is going in front of the net with these guys because they give you a cross check in the back and then they give you a whack across the ankle and the ref any more than that and they get called on it but you're allowed one two and then you wait like five yeah. seconds 
boom, boom. It was like clearing. A, yeah, yeah. You were allowed to if you were anywhere near the front of the net. That's why the hardest thing I'll, I still say I've ever had to do. I only did an exhibition was go in front of the net with Chris Pronger. I was going to say that's yeah. the that is the Chris yeah. Pronger. Now that's what the kids call the Chris oh, Pronger. Right. Yeah. Exactly. One of your guys is Buddy T.R. that obviously has passed away. It's his bird dog. I remember, man, oh. he used to, he, he, he was, he would like literally crack you in two. Oh, man. He was like, how scary is that? He did not that? want to go in front of that net over Newfoundland. No way, no way, no. no. And he had a way of like, if he, he had a way of doing it like the bird and, and, and a few more. Kale Hulse was definitely one of these guys where they'd like, cross-check you slowly up around the shoulder pads so it would, like, drift off and, and, and it would hit the back of your head. And now yeah. it's a headshot. You're, like, suspended for 20 games. Back then, they fucking let it go. It was just like, you know, if you're going to come Referee in here... You to keep your stick down. Yeah, exactly. Keep your <laughs> stick down. He took his ear off. Yeah, I know. Uh, yeah, and you would often, often, they'd say, well, you know, you got to protect yourself if you go in there. Okay, well, it wouldn't be like, you know, he took a penalty. It'd be like, you know, put more padding on then. Pussy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, now, J Mac, going back to after that year, because I do want to rewind the national team. How did you get there? And I two quite put you by a question. How did you get on the national team? And secondly, decent year, thirty five points in fifty games. But how did you get one hundred and thirty? How did you get one hundred thirty three penalty minutes on the national team? Play <laughs> national. Who the fuck? They ended up sending me back early, but I went. So after those years, my agent said, like, okay, like, we, we, you know, so they said, well, it's foot speed, right? We don't think he played blah, 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 foot speed, okay? So whatever. So Fuck, I, heard I heard the too. Canadian national team with Andy Murray, which was a great move because, I mean, it was just Andy was a great man, first of all, and Mike Johnson, and uh, shout out to Mike from Halifax, too, because he's a good man. And anyway, just playing on those big sheets of ice, Terry, I think it did make me a better player that year coming back. I went into the IHL and had that year with Randy Carlisle, 25 goals. That was 98-99. I want to tell people that. 98-99, you go to the Manitoba Moose, 25 goals, 52 points, 283 minutes, J-Mac. How the fuck do you not get up after that one? 25 goals in 300 minutes. that's when Pittsburgh signed me. So that's how I got back over to the American League. So I went over to the Canadian national team at the IHL for two years. And then when I had that year, then Pittsburgh signed me. And that's how I got to Wilkes-Barre. Okay. Did you just say Randy Carlisle was the coach while you were in the Moose? Did I hear that Randy right? Carlisle was the coach. Wow. I didn't know his coaching career went his back that far. Hardest practices, hand down, any coach <laughs> I had. <laughs> that's where I was going to go. No that's way. where I was going. I was going to... Yeah, I was I was gonna ask. It was hour and forty minutes, hour and forty minutes, um, and a good forty minutes of battle drills three days a week. Oh fuck! Much. Like yeah. pulling the ring and shit. It's, uh, oh, fuck, reason just, I don't yeah, think I think Phil Kessel wanted to leave for a reason there. My God, <laughs> that's where I was going. I was wondering. I was gonna ask. What but, was he like for, as a coach? But it's shocking because like the Moose is another example of like you know um, Carlisle going back to a place right. Like he coached the Moose for years. Got up was an assistant with the Capitals for a couple seasons, then goes back to the Moose. Then he goes to the Ducks. He's there for ages, goes to the Leafs for a few years, and then goes back <laughs> to the Ducks. Like, whatever happens, like, his fucking teams, even when they fire him, they like him enough to bring him back every couple of years. Sure, like, I, guess, I guess he reigns players in. By was the he team. a nice guy? Right? He keeps his teams accountable. Any teams that think that they're getting mm-hmm. outworked, there's one of your guys, John Torts, Torts and him. and J-Mac, um, well, was, he a, was he a good guy? Yeah, he was. I liked Kitty. Kitty was a good guy. He was, um, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and he he was starting out there with his first couple of years of getting, you know. So yeah, he, he, 
he had good stuff there, but he was loved to curse and swear. Was a little rough around the edges to begin with, but I'm sure he kind of feathered that out a little bit. But I'm sorry, is I his nickname Kitty? Hard, hard practices. I remember. <laughs> Do you yeah. mean Kitty is in a cat? No, he's in Kitty Carlisle. That's oh, his the actress. Yeah, oh, yeah. Last, last horse crosses the finish line here. Uh, that's um, Carlisle, yeah. And gotcha. so, J-Mac, now, interesting side note. So you've been coached by Forbes Kennedy and Randy Carlisle, and I'm, I'm sure a bunch more. Did any other coaches stand out to you? Yeah, you know what? You know who was Ryan McGill? When I was talking about Hartford, I wanted to mention to Ryan McGill. One eye, because you one know eye, what? Uh, McGill, right? Yeah, Ryan. Lost his he eye was, playing, didn't he? When I went there, yeah, he did. He took a stick he in the eye. He was a good player. Yeah, I remember oh. that guy. Good player. Was a good guy. When I went there, well, you know, TR, I was 28 in Hartford, okay? He had all these young guys, and I went in there and had a good start, but he, he put me in places to succeed, and where a lot of teams, regardless how good you do, they'll keep you right in the fucking third and fourth line regardless. Hence, when I was in Wilkes-Barre, I mean, I, my second and th- I had a good first year in Wilkes-Barre, and then fucking young guys come in, and they just placed me and le- left me there, right? And weren't you the captain? Never want to be a captain of an American League team because <laughs> you, know, you know you're fucking never getting up. I've, so. I fucking said that before, one of the first shows, Jamie. We were talking, I said, I hope everybody realizes, like, it's the kiss of death. No one wants the captain in the minors, nobody. It gives some oh. feeling of longevity to it, like, okay, yeah. <laughs> like, I'm here for the long haul, yeah, right? Get and, used to it. Everyone in this room to look up yeah. to you so get used to and everybody strokes you're right everybody strokes you're you're a great leader and you know when am i getting called up well let's not talk about that right now you're you're really leading yeah. well and, and you're bringing these young guys along <laughs> you know doing it, great down here it always just reminds yeah. me like whenever i hear about anybody getting the captaincy in uh in the minors it's always it always just kind of reminds me of bull durham you know, about how Crash Davis just, like, he doesn't want the home run record in the minors. It's just, like, the last thing he fucking wants. Yeah. You know, like, that's what it, that's always what it reminds me of whenever I hear anybody talking about it. Um, well, it, it, it means you're probably not getting called up. Yeah, for sure. That's a, that's a good point. Um, but now, listen, so, and you go down to Wilkes-Barre for those few years. Mac, you're fighting an awful lot. Like, you're, you're really dropping the mitts. Were yeah. you, you must have been consciously trying to get up top i mean i was you were, you were starting to fight not starting but you were fighting almost exclusively heavyweights at this point and so you were you yeah, well you, and you know here too maybe there was a little bit of a switch over halfway through my career so these young guys were coming in brian McGratton, right trevor gillies all these new young fellas and yeah um I guess, again, it's kiss of death when you have those penalty minutes. They, they size up the paper, and then they probably hand, they pick out of a hat who they're going to grab, right? Yeah. I always said that. Remember before yeah, the game, you know before I mean? the game, J-Mac coming in and the game notes? <laughs> the game yeah. notes would be in everybody's stall, and you'd just sit oh. down. And I often said, like, you, you play, let's take the Philadelphia Phantoms, for example. Like, the first oh, six guys in penalty minutes all had, like, by the end of the year, had more than 200. Like yeah. all like, and each team had four or five of those guys, and you were just going, "Fuck!" So I remember like going into Portland and going, "Okay, fuck!" Like Mark Major is huge. Ryan Vandenbush got a fucking punch that might knock me out, and looking right, and going, well, "Who may, who who can I fight?" And then like settling on on Joel Terrio, who's like a killer. But like I just <laughs> right. just figured, you know, if I ask him early enough, maybe the other guys won't come at me. And then <laughs> right. Mark Major would fight Dave Morissette, and then Vandenbush would fight Brownie, and, and you know it would be almost a, a dancing partner. And you'd be like, well, th-. like I remember the time I fought Cam Russell, the NHL my last shift. Like, and, and I tell people like hey, Cam Russell's a killer, and I'm like, yeah, I know, I'm not disrespecting him, but my options were Bob Probert, 
Mark Jansen's and Cam Russell. Yeah. Like, you know, I took the lesser of three real evils there. <laughs> right. Uh, but now listen, um, so you're in Wilkes-Barre. You do all right, though, Mac. I mean, one year, 330 minutes. That's insane. And you keep chipping away 20 points. Um, you go to Hartford. Now, I was always – now, This there's a couple of stories here. So, guys, in 0304, Jim Mac signs with the Rangers. He's in Hartford and does – Fairly well. I'm going to say 20, well, a point every second game. 100 Can I pause minutes. this right quick? Because I have a sure. really important Wilkes-Barre question. You played with, <laughs> I've been waiting all day for this one. How was it like playing with Alexander Dagg? Because, you know, uh, dry, you yeah, know I, I got to ask about Alexander Dagg because yeah. of, well, Alexander Dagg. Uh, those of you who might not remember, he was selected Dagg is a good first guy. You know what? He was a good man. He was, he was good to me. Him and I actually traveled a little bit on the road together. Um, we went out just one quick, but you know, we went out in Utah to the Sundance Festival one time. He took me out up there, and he he knew some people up there. And um, his high, he he played all right when he came back, but his off ice was much better than his on ice. Okay, so. okay, because I do I, know- I, I have nothing bad, all good things to say about that guy. I yeah. do know that there was a, a brief time where he, you know, like you said, he came back. The, the The quote was, I believe, something like, I've always hated hockey uh, as he was leaving, kind of, because uh, things didn't turn out. When he went obviously. out and, and acted for a while, remember that? We, I mean, of course yeah. you do. You played on his team afterwards. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, you know, yeah, I've only, I, I met him a couple times. I thought he was a great dude, and I've heard. But yeah, now, no, I, he maybe was. it would have been different, J-Mac, coming across him when he was 18 than coming across him when he's 28. You know, you've learned a lot. Right. Especially he, was probably, he was humbled at this point quite a bit, right? Yeah. Um, no, no, um, that, that, then that makes a lot of sense. Good to hear. Just had to ask. It was something that I was wow. like, okay. Good dude. Um, nice. Good to know. Good so to now, hear. listen, with the Rangers, so, you, yeah, you're, so you're doing, well, 41 games, 22 points, 101 minutes now. I was always under the impression because you get called up for four games, right? To the New yep. York Rangers. You're, what, 28 years old? Yeah. So that's late to get called up for your first games. So I didn't know if these guys were, like, going, you know what? Like, it was a reward for having yep. such a, a – having earned that over the course of your career. Um, not not to not to downplay that right. because you were, were – I mean, you're getting a point every second game and, and on your way to 200 minutes again. So you were having a yep. good year. But did they mention any of that, too? What was the feel when you got called up? Now, that's my first question, and I think you know exactly what my second question is. Because while yeah. you were called up, there was a phenomenal uh, set of circumstances that ended up taking place. And we can get there in a minute. Um, but tell tell me that. You getting called up, what did they say, and who said it? So Hartford kind of had a young team that year. They had a lot of younger guys, but they had Kenny Jernander there as an older guy, Richard Scott. Oh, yeah. I kind of forget who our older guys were right outside. So I was one of the older guys. So I think it was kind of maybe a little twofold TR. I had, I had, a, I must, it was probably one of my best starts I did have. Those, whatever I had there, those numbers, a lot of them happened before Christmas. So my first call up was right on December 13th. The team was struggling kind of thing. Um, and now wait, before we go any further, before we go any further, this is a Rangers yeah. team. With oh yeah, with some, legends stars here as, 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 as <laughs> like Bobby Holik, Mark Messier, Kovalev, Alexei Kovalev, Lindros. Brian Leach, Matthew Burnaby, Eric Lindros, 
Yager. 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 Peter yeah. Nedved. Peter, Peter Nedved. Ned. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, what do you mean? I'm, I'm the one that brought it up. I'm in the middle of a sentence, and you're telling me what I'm forgetting? Oh, you want to tell me what I'm forgetting before I get to it? I'm following along on the same list. You're that fucking guy on Twitter today that shit on me for not saying anything about the Raptors things. What am I responsible to fucking comment on everything? And right now, I was getting to that. I was going to say Darius Kasparitis. But Love it fucking Darius. Oh, I thought you hated Darius. No, no, I hated his signing. I remember him being a legend off the ice, though. But anyway, Dale Purrington. Holy fuck! Hey, Simon. Dale Purrington. Oh God. Who stalled uh, you next to? Who did they set you up to? Who Who were you sitting next to in the, in the dressing room when you first got called up? Uh, out in the practice rink, I was between Cole Eleven and. Um, who was on the left of me? I think it was a goalie, to tell you the truth. UC Markkinen. Okay. Oh, wow. But up at the, at the big rank, the game, I, I only played the one game in the garden. I played four total, three in the road. But um, the game in the garden was against the Islanders, and I can't remember exactly who I was in there between. First of all, uh, first remember, of all, because I'm going to ask you something about that fucking game, because I was watching that game, and I came right off my fucking chair. Okay. <laughs> Now, yeah. but yeah, you know what I'm going to say. But now I'm talking in the four games, you had 19 penalty minutes. We'll get to that first. So that means there's at least one fight involved or, or you check someone from behind or slashed him in the head. Well, I get called up the very first time. Jen Schaumfeld calls me in actually. I'll never forget it because she, I, I, she calls me and he calls everybody's son. He's like, son, um, you're going up, you're going up to New York. Blah, 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 blah. And I remember just like, wow. Okay, because I would never ever, I didn't really expect it, even if it's as good as I did, I never expected it anyway, because at this point I'm already, it doesn't make a difference how good you're doing, obviously at this point they don't care anymore, right? But <laughs> still you're playing for pride and you're playing for whatever, right? Obviously. Yeah. But um, the first game, TR, you can respect this. So I go to Buffalo, the first game, but I look at Buffalo's roster and I'm like, eh, fuck, this is like the Rochester American. <laughs> I was full of confidence that night. Great. And we actually won 5-2, played very good, had a couple shots on goal. I could have actually scored that game a couple times. I had a couple couple chances in close. Let's not say I could score. But No, but uh, I don't know what you mean over. by the way, going back. Isn't it great when you get up to that level and you look around and you see like half the team that you played against the year before? I know what you mean when you say it's like that. Yeah. You, I used to go, well, fuck, like that's Dave Scatcher. I played against him last year. Like, Yeah. And sorry to cut you off, but I just, that's what goes through my mind. It used to make me feel comfortable. The more people I saw that I succeeded against at some level in the past, it would make it seem, oh, okay. So I win to Toronto, though, now on Hockey Night in Canada the next night, because I know they're going to have the same lineup. So we go in there, and um, leading up to the game, like, I'm as nervous as fucking long-tailed cat in a room full of rocking chairs. (laughs) I'm like, wholesome joke. Fit, fit to be tied because uh, Sather announces the starting lineup, and I'm on the starting lineup. Then he announces there's TR, and it's Domi, Belak, Tucker, Marchment, and somebody on defense. And I'm thinking to myself, fuck, I'm going to get my head kicked right yeah. fucking first shift. You know? Oh, fuck. Uh, so I'm so nervous before that game just because it's totally different, right? Like, to what I was saying, like, Buffalo the night before felt like an American League game. Now, just because Toronto is hockey night in Canada, all bright lights, you got all the names you recognize from growing up, totally different feel. Totally different feel. Yeah, I can hardly handle the fucking warm-up. Like, I remember remember going down in in, uh, 
playing a game in Florida and going like, holy fuck, there was like 6,000 people there. I wasn't nervous at all. It felt like we were playing shinny. And then try right. playing, you know, in, in, in Madison Square Garden. And you, it's amazing what the, what the whole mental setting can do to you. Anyway, keep going. Well, yeah, right. but back to back those nights, from looking at HockeyDB, it looks like uh, the Buffalo game was 14,000. Toronto game's like 20. Mm. Right? And, that, yeah. and that's, that's just what they're actually showing on the attendance on yeah. HockeyDB. And a lot of people right? in like, Buffalo or Toronto or fans from, from Ontario that want to come over and see a game. Yep. So they're not always intimidating. They're different in the yep. playoffs. When Mayday fucking right. scored and all that shit, that's well, and, and, it, and no disrespect to these guys, it's Eric Bolton and Peters, but they're the same as me at that point, yeah. right? But then you, if for some reason, you think you go to you go Domi and you go yeah. uh, whoever else they had there, Mar- uh, Nathan Parrott and Marchment and oh, these guys, it's, yeah. it's a mindset, Jesus. right? But really, you know, yeah, it's, it's a mindset. Anyway, back then, that's the way I was thinking around, and I was uh, wound up before the game, forgot my tie down. Or I thought I could have swore I put it on, but that's why I got kicked out because they had no tie down on. Who'd you fight? But Nathan Parrott, The Rock. Oh, you fought The Rock. The Rock's our buddy. Rock. Um, but I guess shit yeah. had to be done. But I wasn't, we weren't buddies because I went to Newfoundland the next year oh, after yeah. that. So I didn't know him yet. Holy Jesus. He's a tough fucking cat. But by the way, guys, Nathan Rock Parrott is a boxer now. Did you know that, J Mac? I went up and had a yeah, meal with I him. I was in Toronto last year. And I saw him come across my Instagram feed, and I said, you know, and so did Ian White showed up on there recently. I went to see him in Saskatoon last year. I'm like, you know, these guys are non-phonogenic. The last thing I ever thought I'd see was Rock <laughs> or Ian White on, on Instagram or any of that. So I, I, fuck, I phoned him up, and we went and had pancakes, and Rock's doing great. He was like, he said... He, yeah, he, he got back into boxing, and he was boxing for his own weight class, and he was kicking the shit out of guys. Um, yeah, tough yeah. dude, the rock. Uh, well, it's good, I figured, because we were all buddies, and I figured you'd like to hear that he's doing real well. He actually asked about you. Um, okay, now, now, so keep going. That gives me two games. What's your next game? So, <laughs> so after the Toronto game, we clear customs in Niagara Falls, and the girl in the, in the Rangers office forgot to get my visa updated, so they haul me off the plane oh. in Buffalo when we touched down in customs and um, haul me off. Long story short, I spent two and a half, three days in Niagara Falls having a great time. Um, <laughs> and I, and, I and there's myself, a casino there. You probably were uh, yeah, having a great well, time. There was lots of places there. There was, <laughs> there's lots um, of, there's pl- like, what's his name? Chris <laughs> Penn says in Reservoir Dogs, there's places all over the place. <laughs> we got places all over Niagara the place. Falls notorious slogan. Yeah. There's lots of places <laughs> there. <laughs> I'm sure you got into so a bit of fucking trouble. Finally, from the Rangers, this is why I love the Rangers back in these days because TR probably this is another team. So they call me back for like on Wednesday. She calls me back. I already spent a bunch of money at the outlets, new sneakers on, cruising around, <laughs> and I'm expecting her to say you're going back to Hartford. She goes, I hope you're ready because you're going back to, to New York. You got to play tomorrow night, oh. and I'm like, Are you kidding me? I haven't skated. I've been in the bar for two and a half. Wow. I actually they they get a flight. I go back to New York, play the Islanders on Wednesday night. And, um, on Long Island? 
no, in, in Madison Square Garden. That's the first game or the only game that I played in there. But that was against the Islanders. And what an experience that was just to hear the Islanders fans and the Ranger fans going at it and warm up. And wow. Stuff. If you're going to play Everybody four games, let one of them be that. Well, we are. I thought we were going to get into it, but we didn't actually. Uh, oh, you and Ash were chirping. Pass that night. We didn't that night, no. Wow. Yeah, that would have been a good, good one. You guys I, are the same kind I, of fighter. I twisted my ankle that night in that game. And that was my first three-game stint. So this is how I got. And then I got sent back down to the minors for two months. And then, TR, to your question earlier, were they doing a thing? And this is why I don't think they were. They recalled me in March when they were doing the playoff push. And I played another game against the Flyers. Like, and that was another um, in February. And we had a line brawl there. And I got tangled up with Brashear. Oh, you know, of all people. Of all people. Of all uh, people. I'm in the corner, and he what? fell on top. He was trying to choke me out on the bottom of the ice. I was, like, <laughs> trying to, like, eye gouge him and everything else. It was nuts. It was just like, and I couldn't even breathe. I remember, like, Carrington, our buddy Carrington, was in a tilt with somebody on Carrington top of me. Carrington is one of the craziest people I've ever met in my life. Keep going. Oh, he popped. We talk about getting the gloves off quick. Like, well, he, he, yeah. he'll pop you with the one on first and then slide it off. Oh, yeah. He'll do <laughs> really just tricky. about anything. Yeah, I like, He'll shove it up yeah. your fucking ass if he can get away with it. Very <laughs> Clean your guy. fucking teeth with the... Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and but, that looks like it, uh, that looks like it was the, um, the second part of a home-and-home, home, I'm guessing, from what you're saying. Uh, it looks like uh, if it was February, there was a home-and-home home against Philly, uh, so it would have been like Valentine's Day you guys are playing in Philly and have this... Day. A lovely way to spend Valentine's Day with Donald Brashear. With Donald Brashear <laughs> nice, yeah. at the Romantic, bottom of yeah. a fucking scrum heap <laughs> with Donald Brashear oh, on Valentine's Day. It's gonna be a job to top uh, that one. There's a card there somewhere. Yeah, there might even be a T-shirt. Um, so, yeah. so yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. So, um, so now listen. Before we get to the next question, tell me. Within those four games, I thought it was the home game. Maybe it wasn't. Tell us about the fucking empty net. You know the one I'm talking about, right? Oh, yeah. Okay, well, and it's a great pitcher. Oh, that was against it the It was. Well, that was against the Islanders, that game I was talking about. So Now, if you explain all this, because this is one of my favorite moments that any of my buddies well, this, have had in sports. And this is why I love Glenn Sather, too. First, like, not to hop all over the place, but in Buffalo the night before, he comes up beside me in pregame skate. He goes, hey, Jamie, did you ever play a game before? And I'm saying, I'm saying to myself, Jamie, it's Jason. But anyway, I'll go. With, I don't give a fuck what you call me. I was going to call him. You know, I'm like, ah, never played a game. Never played a game. This is first. He didn't even know, right? So, I, he's obviously, Shoney called or whoever the GM, and then I'm there on the ice. So, first of all, he didn't even have to put me in there on Buffalo that night because there was like two or three guys like that were healthy, right? So he put me in, um, which I thought was. You know, yeah. looking back now, not a lot of guys would do that today. You know, they're so they're so afraid to make a mistake today or put yeah. somebody in there because he wasn't taken in the first or second round. That'll make them look bad. That you know, yeah. it was mm. good of them mm. to really do it. You know, to tell you the truth, and that's, that's why true. I respect the Rangers for so much for it because at the end of the day, it's as Tr can see, it's so close to getting games and not getting games. We're splitting hairs here, you know, and yeah. to have games is is nice to versus not having them. And really, I you know they could not have done it. So, but um, so I get off the beaten path. I forget what I was. No, 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 now. no, not at all. Um, I was talking about that game, the empty net, and you were right. Oh, that's, yes, a, that's a key yes. part of the story. Yes. Is that I'm even putting you in because Mac, if he didn't, if you didn't, like I say, I 
I only got the eight, well, but I got him. I'm an NHLer, right? You're yeah, an NHLer. Was, well, well, how I got on there with Messier. So yeah. goalies pulled instead of putting on all those guys you named, like Bobby Holley. He fucking put. So boys, yeah, the there. goalies pulled at the end of the game. I got the TV on now. I'm watching yeah. this shit, and I'm the last yeah. person I'm expecting to see on the ice <laughs> at the end of the game right. with Messier is J Mac, and that's nothing against you. It's just anyway. You now t- tell t- tell the story Jeez. of what happens. So we go down because I'm into the other end. We ended up going off my stick and going in the other end. I went to take a D to D pass away and Messier tracks it down in the corner and um, he could, he, he puts it behind the net. I come out from behind the net and it goes off my stick and it must have touched one of their defensemen, the Islanders defenseman, a skate or whatnot, because I didn't even end up getting an assist on it. But Messi was trying to get me one. He takes it and just comes around, and it's like I'm right there. But he 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 snipes her in the pipe right for six hundred and twenty-three. <laughs> oh yeah, because it, oh, wow. it was a big goal for Messi. Yeah. I remember. I, I, right? I, I would have guessed. Both huddled around the empty cave, and I was just like, "You throw a guy a bone over here, maybe." Right? <laughs> 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 Max in there, I'm going. He's going to get a goal. He's going to get a goal. But then it's a huge. Huge goal for Messi, like surpass somebody on the all-time list. Or, and I didn't know. And it's nothing yeah, against right? Messi. I mean, whatever. Jeez, like, man, Max you've got six twenty-three. How about giving yeah. me one? He How nearly about one. Yeah, and not only like that Messier, though. When we get over to the bench, he was banging on the stick trying to get the referee over when he heard I didn't get an assist. But uh, for some reason, they never gave me a. Um, helper either it wasn't really a direct pass I guess. well what i love about it J Mac, and you should post it i i hope when i google it the picture will come up but that picture there's a picture celebrating yeah. that goal and i know you've got it but i've seen that other places like the picture i've seen it like on the rangers uh you know like on, on their website back in the day i don't know but like it was one of those pictures that lasts and it, like i said like i played eight games but one of them was the game that dave moore set friggin knocked out bob prober and I was standing right. on the ice for it, and it's, and it's mentioned in his book, and there, and that was my like, you know, I, I, I was, I felt like something significant happened when I played. Well, right. that's it. Not only are you there playing, but you're selling his significant goal, and I love that. I love it about hockey. It says so much. Here's a guy with one of the most games played of all time and achieving his 623rd goal, and here's a guy that you know played a lot of minor league games, and is playing in his second or third game or third game, and you know, completely yeah. the other end of the spectrum. Both elated, and it's almost, uh, to me, a symbol of the community of the game rather than, you know, the New York Rangers in 2001 or whatever the fuck it was, or 1999. Really, yeah. No, yes. for sure. 2003, and I've got another question. Now, a, bit a yeah. bit of a hockey jersey uh, nut bear myself. Did you wear the Lady Liberty jersey? Because they were around then, uh, you know, with, with the Statue of Liberty. Head. No, I didn't. Oh. I didn't. We had the blue one just with the Rangers yeah. right Front. Yep, the diagonal. That's a hard one to find, the Lady Liberty one. I was, I was wondering if there's an image of yeah. you out there with it on. As, uh, yeah, do no. you? And by the way, I've heard, and because my next question is about the alumni, because I do, like, if I'm in Montreal, I, I use the alumni room. I, I don't feel bad. I used to feel bad. I didn't go in there for like five years because I thought, you know, these guys are legends. But to be honest, right. I mean, Reggie Hull, who, Rajon Hull, who was the GM when I was there, that a lot of people think I have animosity towards, but I, I really don't. Um, but I, I kind of felt maybe bad, you know, because we had a bit of a disagreement. I didn't really go back. And then one one lady caught me there in the crowd. I just went over. I had a few beers in me. And I went over with my buddy. He said, are you serious? He said, come down and use it. It's yours to use. You get four tickets a year. He said, you know, there's only 700 players that ever played here in Montreal. And when I thought about yeah. it like that, I'm like, oh, yeah, wow. I guess. And they've been around 100 years. So then I thought, okay, you know, I'll, I'll start doing it. Uh, so I do use it, and I'm thankful for that. I know you, at least on a couple of occasions, do you still – 
use the Rangers alumni situation? Well, I took my son to a game um, in January. We were actually at the at the garden, but we didn't get upstairs. Um, the green room. I don't know. That's that's it's a pretty neat room just to go and relax in there. You see all sorts of people on those days. But no, Tr, I haven't been in there and. and to take advantage of that in a while, actually. Do you go to the Wilkes-Barre games? Uh, pardon me? Wilkes-Barre, yeah, I go to the games here in Wilkes-Barre. Do you? Okay, I figured as yeah. much. And they still get a lot of support, right? That's one of the nicest minor pro buildings I've ever been in. Now, the last time I was in it was 18 years ago, so maybe it's just run-of-the-mill now, but I remember it being no, great. No, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a beautiful setup up there. It is. It's, uh, Wilkes-Barre probably is one of the top three or four places to play in the American League, for sure. Um 6,000 people every night. When I played, it was eight or nine, but it's down a little bit, but it's still consistent and a good, nice community and a good fan base, and um, it is. It's a great um, little triple-A. And I guess the last question about Wilkes-Barre, because uh, we had your buddy Par- Parsons on. Do you, without explaining the whole thing, do you remember what went on that St. Paddy's Day massacre uh, when you guys got in that total brawl? Yeah. And wasn't Linger on the ice? Linger was on the ice. Linger was on the other fucking team, guys. I told. I don't know if we brought that up. And the whole Paris came here to Newfoundland, and we had him on the show, and we talked about. It. I said, I don't know if I brought up the fact that Linger was one of the shit disturbers on the other goddamn team. <laughs> but, oh yeah, Linger was on there doing his thing. Did you know what was going to happen? Briefly, because Paris explained it, but briefly tell us about that. Well, we didn't. And I, 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 we didn't know it was going to happen, but they, they had a couple guys called up there. I forget Wing, Winfield was yeah, one Brad of the guys. Yeah, Brad Winfield, I think. He low, he, I remember he low hit uh, John Jackapin, so then they kept us all out on the ice. Like there was a scrum after that hit, and they kept us all out on the ice. Except they changed up a couple guys to amper up. So the play only went on for about another 20 seconds. And then Jackapin chased him, and we ended up having a line brawl. And then, you know, the line brawl escalated to Pars going off to one side. I went off to one side. But Linger and I actually get into a scrap for a little bit. And you and these um, guys are best buddies, boys. Like they grew up together, right? So yeah, yeah, yeah. anyway, keep going. Yeah, but then and then Linger and I get at it. But then Scrupko, Andre Scrupko, who oh. after I was out there for about four or five minutes, come off the bench, <laughs> rushes a daisy. I mean, you're so bad, boys. <laughs> if, you're, if you watch that, watch Jason funny. McDonald at the end of this. That he he can't lift his he's, and he's he puts up his arms ah. to go again. I I could feel you, man. Like I'm looking. You put up your arms at the end of it, and you're like. You start shaking them because they 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 can't stand up on their own, and um. They, well, yeah, oh. you know, and Troopko was he, him and I probably fought about four or five times leading up to this, and good fights. He's a Russian guy, good. He is Remember pretty him, tough. Yeah. But I mean, um, after that game, you watch me him at the end there. I took some lumps. I could literally not brush my hair for about two weeks after Ooh. that game. Oh man, you know, that's. Up, I mean, there was. Uh, uh, That's Jeremy the definition of old there. school. We were into it before then. Jesus, these guys. That was old school you even You wonder then. how guys back then, those skates, you know, like you look at that, I look at that, and there's guys' skates flying around. I'm like, we're I know. That's the big there. thing to me, like, because I'm like, you know, I'd, I've often said it, I'd rather get hit with a punch than with my head going down, going through the middle. But I, what I don't understand is how more people haven't, like, lost fingers or at least been caught. Or, you know, like, right? it, it was chaos all the time. That's a perfect example. Like, and there's skates, everyone, guys are down, and that. not only that, like, your fucking shirt would come off and everything. There was a lot of bare skin. 
uh, yeah. and, and blades going around at that time. And there's a great... Uh, Sounds questionable. Bearskin and blades going <laughs> around. But uh, if anybody listening uh, is interested in this, if you just... Go, like It's on the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins like website. There's a blow-by-blow blow that breaks down what happened in this fight. <laughs> it has multiple video sections because they found an old VHS of the game, uploaded it to YouTube. It's all there without audio. You can watch it all. They kind of go beat by beat of what's going on and then do a penalty breakdown. And so in that oh, game, wow. Jason McDonald gets five for fighting, a game misconduct for a secondary altercation, another fighting, game misconduct, secondary, like a game misconduct for aggressor, and a game. So you got five game misconducts in this game. So you nearly set the yeah, record. I, if Paris didn't, it would have been you. You got, you got, you got two, you got two five for fightings and five game misconducts. And then Paris got, uh, Paris got five for fighting, a game misconduct. Game, he got four game misconducts. One yeah. for third man in. Yeah. Oh, there's the wow. name of the show. There we go. So what happens when you play the same team 12 times, probably played that team about three times in exhibition, 12 times in regular season. Yeah. By the time you get, and by every the end year. of the season. Yeah. Yeah, you get to know him. You get to know him. Um, and so, J-Mac, after all that, you come uh, – you come to the St. John's Maple Leafs, and that had some beauties. That was one of the last years of the Leafs, if not the last year. I, I'm just going off the top of my head. Kyle Wellwood was a friend of the show. We had uh, you had Mark Morrow, you had Harold Druken, Jason McDonald. Druken, I'm not even Kyle re- Wellwood, David Ling, Ian White, Nathan Barrett in Paris, Ian White, Koliakovo was there. That's by far the my funnest year of playing hockey. That and was, I, you know, I was uh, the. Um, the broad, so the people out there that don't know, so that was my, I, I had hurt my ankles, so I came back and I was the color commentator with Brian Rogers. Uh, oh, cool. Brian Rogers oh, was doing the games and I was cool. doing the color. So Brian's a legend himself. Yeah, he is, certainly yeah. is. Uh, Brian is. And yeah. they, they, the boys, you know, all lived around here. I mean, th- this is a chaos time, but by the end of the year, and, and I'm not going to say why, but there was 14 or 15 divorces or splits. It was <laughs> fucking, it was fucking nuts. And I don't know if you remember this, but and it, there was just a lot of a lot of partying, a lot of good, but a lot of great things. Kyle Wellwood ended up moving up. Uh, I think Boys was on the team that year, wasn't Matt it? Was Stajan, it the year another Matt Stajan, uh, very very sturdy right? NHL um, career. And Perrin, right there. Perrin ended up getting back yep. up to the NHL. Koliakovo was there. Uh, Ian, no, wait, no, you know, not to the we're off a year because that was a strike year. That's oh yeah, okay. we were all down there on the strike. You are, you're right. Yeah, yeah, you're right. So everybody I mentioned, but boys, right, was there? Yeah, boys. I was going to say, yeah, boys wasn't there, but um, all those other guys. All, all those were, other guys was, were, and every that's, Jeremy that's Williams Stajan. was Jeremy Williams there? Yep. Jeremy yeah. Williams, Matt Stajan, Ian White. Um, those Brandon were all the Bell, young guys. another uh, Brandon Bell. Brandon yeah, a lot Bell, of good players. Yeah, yeah. Brandon ended up getting a couple years in the show. But anyway, and, and a real good bunch, and, and you know, whatever happened during the year, it just it, real fun bunch. It happened that, like, there was so many splits, and <laughs> I mean, like, some chaos. But one, one day, so me and Mac, and this is at the, uh, this is at one of the breaks. It's, like, at the All-Star break or something, so there's nothing to do the next day. So and we party, and I get up. I'm just, like, I'm so fucking hungry, and I can't wait. Everybody's, like, oh, there's no skip the dishes or anything then, so we're, I'm waiting for everybody. We're going to go to the Big R or something. I said, fuck it. I'll just eat these cookies, fucking, and I give one to Mac. And by the time, oh, we were going down to um, the Delta for some reason. I think at a room, and I'm halfway down there, and I'm like, man, I don't feel good. 
And then oh. Drukes calls me for some reason, needs a ride, and he's like, fuck, did you see any of my hash cookies? And I'm like, are you uh, fucking uh, kidding me? Uh, so me and Mac, and I know everybody has that like story from a trip, but do you remember that, Mac, that fucking day at the uh, Delta? Yeah. <laughs> we were like trying to like ever so desperately <laughs> to come out the of the abyss. Live, remember Brendan Bell, like five of them rented that big house down. Yeah. You guys know it better than me towards Pleasant um, Ave, the Pleasant, Pleasant Street. Ring, down towards yeah. what? Pleasant Street, wasn't it? Well, no, I lived on Pleasant Street, but the boys lived down at the opposite end, uh, not where the rink is, but down the opposite end of Water Street, but that, down yes, that end. Yes, I know exactly, is. yeah, where, where it meets Waterford Bridge Road, yeah, yeah. And, and we one of those go big... back there Saturday night, and you'd be lucky to get out of there Tuesday morning. Work. <laughs> <laughs> and that was the way, it was, it was set up here the same uh, as with the Canadian teams that play in the NHL, they all play on Saturday night, and then they have Sunday off usually. Yeah, yeah. It's not always the case in the other teams in the states, uh, but it, here they had a very similar schedule to that because pe- people would come in and either play Friday or Thursday, Friday, Saturday, or Friday, Saturday. Rarely was there yeah, a Sunday yeah. game in that package for those years, so we would often, and so you would get that day off. So after the game yeah. on Saturday, um, we would. <laughs> We would do just about anything, but we spent a lot of nights at that house. And anyway, this fucking particular oh, day, boy. we woke up and got on hash right off the bat. Didn't even <laughs> just had I love, no idea. I love how you said a few cookies. It's like we're gonna go to the big R because one yeah. love the idea that athletes are also going to the big R. It makes me feel a lot better about myself. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, no, we did, especially after those days. You'd look forward to it because yeah. you'd go out after the game and you wouldn't eat anything, so you could have whatever you wanted in the morning. Uh, and not yeah. feel like you put on weight. I mean, a lot of that shit too at the time was <laughs> trying to like stay the same like weight and all that shit. And I remember, like, y- 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 even though I wanted to eat that and everything, and I wasn't against doing it, I didn't give a fuck just as long as I stayed under two hundred pounds or two hundred five at the time. I think whatever it was. And imagine that how silly all that was. Someone telling you how much weight. I've since realized, you know, I would I would probably play it at one ninety or one ninety five. I feel the best at. But, you know, you had to take into account that you have to fight guys who were fucking greased up and fucking broids and <laughs> all that shit, you know. So I guess the average weight was a little bit heavier. But anyway, of that year now, Mac, Thick you were... gauge laces. You were here. And we, I would see, Mac came, came in with Senior a few times, too, boys. He's a veteran of the basement. Uh, um, what, well, you know... I'd expl- to you for sure. Oh, I certainly will. He, I got to get over to see Senior, actually. I got to get over. I needed a good... A good dose of yeah. You need a weekend over here, um, and uh, that in many ways, if Big not, R is if, still open. Bring Jagger. <laughs> I've, got, I've got a nine-year-old, uh, and if not, yeah, the Big R is open, and so is t- Turkey Joe's is still there too. J Mac. Ooh, I fell down the stairs there once, <laughs> and that's a lot of stairs to fall it's down. Still man. there. I don't know. I don't even know who goes there anymore. We go to Greensleeves. Stephen Hancock, who ran that place, is now overrunning Greensleeves. But how many nights? I used to get caught up in the curtains, couldn't find my way out. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) And then telling people, yeah, we're just going to go to Turkey's to watch the game. Okay, we'll see. Yeah, like Like, on it, maze in there. (laughs) (laughs) Um, What was, what was, you know, at the, so you played here 0405. Any yeah. memory jump into your mind other than, I mean, we just, we had a lot of fun, but does any memory stand out? Oh, geez. I know yeah, that's, that's a loaded that's question. loaded question. Yeah, there's lots, man. I mean, I just enjoy, obviously, you know, the the culture over there and obviously everybody, how friendly, blah, 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 all that stuff. But my, as far as the season over there, if you remember, Linger broke my ankle. I, I probably got hit, I got hit with a slap shot, Linger, in the fall. And my ankle, I was in a boot until February. So from October 
till March, I'd be down downtown just with the boat cruising around. <laughs> so, I mean, I have a lot I, of memories. A lot of them are foggy. I have to write them down, and then I'll have to get back to you. Oh, yeah. I remember just hobbling up the street with you in that booth, just like, and you'd time it. You're like, okay, well, let's see. I got, uh, I got another five weeks in the boot, and I rode the boat. shattered my ankle, not cracked it. It's coming through this, you know, and Larry has a bomb, as you know, and it hit right on the bare skin, but um, it snowed a lot. You guys probably don't remember that winter, but I remember it, it snowed and snowed and snowed over there. <laughs> yeah, I do remember. You hobbling so around. Like I remember you slipping on George Street with the fucking thing on, with with your brace on or whatever it was, your boot, and you slip. I just started at the top of Pleasant Street and just glide right down, right down by the Delta and then stop right at Cotton, Cotton Club, just. A couple of couple of uh, GTs it almost, set up by the house. It was almost Put the odd. down and away you go. Cigarette it was out. almost wow. odd to see you come back. So that's why it, it, it was rough stats. Like it must. I, I didn't even look. I didn't see what your stats were that year. But like it must have been because like you were playing. It wasn't like coming into camp, playing three months, and then getting hurt. It was just oh. being thrust into pro hockey after four months of boozing with a boot on in St. John's. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, how the fuck? It was just mad over there, too. When I played, I think I had, like, 14 fights in, like, 29 games. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, it's, it's like, 29 games, four goals, eight assists, 152 penalty minutes. 29 <laughs> yeah. Making up for lost time in that boot. Just mad. Oh, but we had fun. Frankie for not getting good sleep. and uh. We had fun. <laughs> So, Mac, listen. I love that. That's the reason to start a hockey fight. It's like, oh, I had a bad night's sleep last night. Someone's fucking getting it. <laughs> and so they, they had some guys who could throw them, too. Um, um, I, I will, uh, before we... Uh, oh, yeah, I just got one question. Oh, you, you want to... No, hit, just one left. You go. You oh, go. okay, because oh, I just want to get into After your year with St. John's, you went to Providence. And uh, oh, that's an important uh, day for Mike. I'm I'm here in a, in a Bruins blouse here uh, this evening. Uh, I'm very excited for the game tonight. That by the time anybody hears this, will have been over, and you'll know whether I'm crying or hungover or what kind of state I'm in. Um, but uh, one thing that I kind of want to take on while you're here is one of your teammates in Providence that year was Mr. Tim Thomas. And word is is that he's the banner uh, captain tonight for the Bruins. Going to be swinging that banner ahead of Game Seven. Uh, what was yeah? Let's. Uh, what was your time like in in, in Providence? And, and you know, it was your last pro year? Like you know, what was your kind of takeaway from there? And do you have any crazy Tim Thomas stories? Because I hear there's a bunch of crazy Tim Thomas stories. <laughs> you know what, Providence. One of my favorite. It was a, it was a Providence best restaurants in the American League. Mm. Um, one thing I remember in very very nice downtown. Besides the Big uh, R, right? It, it sorry. Besides the Big R, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, Tim Thomas, Timmy, good guy. I know all that stuff kind of came out a little bit later when they won the cup and all his. Um, political views but you know what when i played with the guy he was a little off a little um a little eccentric but you know there's all kinds of those guys in the game and i mean hey um whatever blows your hair back but i mean he was a good guy he was a good guy when i played with him and i but i do remember one little funny thing is when me and reacher were at practice one day and he comes back from europe and he had all this goofy european gear on because we didn't have a goalie in the American League that year. Literally, we started in training camp, but they didn't have a goalie signed. So that's actually how they got him, which wow. was very lucky. They got him back wow. from Europe. He was already over in Europe for like five years, I think, when they got him. Yeah, I think you guys I had eight different goalies that year? year. Uh, sorry? I think you guys had, it looks like you guys had eight different goalies that year, including former guest Andrew Rickoff. Yeah, exactly, right? Oh, yeah. 
And then he came to us from Europe. And I remember Reacher and I laughed, and we thought he'd stunk, right? Couldn't stop nothing. <laughs> <laughs> wow, yeah. After he amazing. got adjusted down there, he did he did well. And, and, and I think I laughed, I think it was the next year maybe that he went up. So, But no, Timmy, uh, Timmy Thomas was a good guy. I don't, uh, and, uh, yeah. And do you have a pick? Like I said, everybody will know by the time well, tomorrow uh, rolls around. You got the Bruins? Well, me and my son, we did a little a little pool at the start. Pick eight, pick the all the eight brackets. I got uh, seven of them wrong. So <laughs> yeah, me too. Um, <laughs> I think yeah, everybody's I in the anyway. same boat. Yeah, yeah it's a, it's a year where not a lot of people's brackets survived. I picked Tampa Bay, uh, Tampa Bay, and Las Vegas in the finals. Uh, so I think tonight you got to go. You got to go with Boston on home ice. You know, I I would think. If I was betting money, that's why I, I yeah, would go for I'd, I'd kind of prefer would. if St. Louis won, but if I was, if I had like, so dude, I, someone yeah. gave me this money, <laughs> Guys, I gotta I'm, bet I'm it. right here. I'm right here. <laughs> you're a fan. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> what, am I going to offend you? It's not like saying you're fucking ugly or something. I'm saying you're a fucking Bruins fan. I think Mike would prefer that insult than that, actually. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to sit here and joke about it. Actually, I am going to joke uh, about it. I'm not going to lie about it. There you um, go. You know, and for, for probably the only reason, I think he's a great player, but I, I don't really like Marshawn that much I'd probably fight him if I fight. and that might be what's swaying it because I love Chara but uh, but St. Louis has not won and I'd love to see yeah, him win that's... and you know if Boston right. wins though it's not the end of the world I love no. the game that they yeah. play and like I said I, I always I, appreciate seeing a guy in his 40s be able to lift the cup very I, hard to do yeah yeah and, and big, that's, that's, that's a great thing for it, me. it wouldn't be the end of the world if they win and I just you know I'd prefer yeah Marshawn not to win another one and have <laughs> some guys and uh, you know there you go like I'll pick Peter Angelo there you go good guy hasn't got a cup but now listen I have one yeah. more question um, hey, you, oh five oh six that was Providence. Now you have a decent year, Mac. For for in, in terms of if you're you know you and I often had a goal to play on the first line, second line, whatever. But if you're a third liner, you get thirteen goals, fifteen assists, very respectable, hundred and thirty two penalty minutes. That's not a bad year at all. Certainly not a 32, year. Thirty two. I was thirty two. You were thirty two oh. years old. So Mac. Yeah, thirty one years old or thirty two there, right? That was my third. Yeah. That was my thirteenth year. So. So like my, my yeah, I retired when I was thirty two. So. But my question is, a lot of people, like that's a resume. So that can those numbers, even if only oh five oh six in the AHL, can get you six figures overseas. And a lot of guys milk it out and they play over there. And very rarely, you you uh, Asham is one. Uh, Linger would be the under end of the spectrum. Linger played in every league in North America. <laughs> Not in North America. Linger played in every league in the world that he possibly could. He's just simply running out of time. Or I'm sure he'll be in Australia next year. Um, China. But what, what was that decision? Because like, you could have easily kept playing. You could have been. I'll give you well, some options. In the, in the coach, you could have been a player coach for close to six figures. Uh, in, overseas, I'm sure you, sure you could have gone to one of those leagues yeah. and played 40-odd 40, 40 games, not having to fight, nope. and made 90,000, 100,000. At least. My son was born that year. My my, my son's answer. mother, we were expecting my son, and I was tired of the game. You know what I mean? I was yeah. really didn't really fucking like it anymore. I was tired of just everything. Not so much even the fighting, but just the thought of going to Europe and getting on buses again, I think, played on my mind the most. Yeah. And, um, and then my personal stuff, right? I came out at the end of that the end of there, I, I won't, I, you know, I had some stuff there. I had a fucking, you know, it was coming after 15 or 18 years of playing hockey. Um, <clears throat> I don't know if that would have been the best thing for me to go over Russia by myself when I had a little boy over here or not. Might not True. have fucking came back. But didn't you then. get into, you, you, you started 
working a little bit, right? Like if I know you get into a bit of real estate and shit like that, or am I wrong? Yeah, I still kind of do the same thing, um, real estate, and I stay involved with hockey a little bit down here, the minor hockey, and my son's hockey, I coach his team, and whatnot. He's 12. I would like to go back into the game actually in a couple of years and maybe coach and start out at the bottom and see if we can plug away. Um, I'd like to get my son, he'll be 13 or he'll be 15 in another three years or so. So I'd mm-hmm. like to kind of stay involved and stay around here until then. <laughs> and then I don't know what we'll do. So, okay. Yeah. That was my next question. I just, yeah, more, you know, you're, um, much as St. John's, well, Mount Pearl, but Newfoundland is a part of me. Uh, you're one of those faces of of PEI slash, well, Charlottetown, but PEI in general. And, yeah, yeah just just curious. But now, li- listen, if who knows? Who can fucking tell the future? I don't know where I'll be tomorrow, J-Mac. But uh, I hope I'm there July 11th and 12th in Charlottetown for the Boys and Girls Club uh, golf tournaments back on the go. Trevor Bird asked me to go over. So I'm going to go over on Thursday, Friday. I'm coming back Saturday because i got some shit to do around here. But if you can possibly get there, J-Mac, I'd love to see you, especially if Jagger's with you. The last time I saw him, he was like four or five years old. It was a long time ago. A lot of time has passed. I'd love to see you. And if not, if let's catch up sometime. And it's been great catching up on air, man. Uh, absolutely, T.R. I'll, I will, I'll text you anyway, pal. I got your number, and I'll text you out there. And I appreciate you guys having me on. And I, uh, I enjoyed it, boys. Right, thanks Fun. so much. Okay, Thank you for being time. so generous with your time today. Thanks again. Uh, and um, okay, guys. And we'll talk soon, Jay. I'll be Mac. in touch. Are you shooting me a text when you're on your way to PEI? Okay, buddy. Penny Posh, maternity wear reimagined, breaking the barriers of style, fit, and comfort that often leave mothers-to-be uninspired in their new wardrobe. Penny Posh's designs have reinvented a clothing category often seen as disposable, temporary, and unattractive. Well, not with Penny Posh. Check it out. A continuous fit maternity collection from bump to bundle and beyond. You can check them out on Twitter at Penny underscore Posh, on Instagram at Penny Posh underscore maternity, and of course on their website, www.pennyposhdesigns.com. Penny Posh Designs, maternity wear reimagined. All right, and so uh, a couple last things we want to do before we uh, before we get out of here, um, and that's I just want to circle back to the game because it's Game Seven <laughs> of the Stanley Cup Finals tonight, and I'm stressed about it. The last Game Seven, of course, was also a game I was stressed out about because uh, it was Boston and Vancouver in um, in 2011. Mm-hmm. The last time we hit Game Seven in the Stanley Cup. So I mean, it's always great. When when you get to a game seven, but unless you know you're fucking watching your team well, and stressing out it, about yeah, it, yeah. If you're watching your own team, it gets a little hectic and stressful. But for me, I, I mean, I, I won't lie. Going into the finals, there was such a long break. I found it hard to to well, move the needle back up. That's the that, thing, man. You know, that's it, one of the things I wanted to talk about with this is like for like I mean, oh baby, like like oh I had turned down the thing um but <laughs> oh baby uh Stanley Cup game 7 Stanley Cup final game 7 is tonight but also the Bruins beat the Carolina Hurricanes 27 days ago that's when the Eastern <laughs> Conference final ended it has been oh as tomorrow Lord. will be 4 weeks since the Eastern Conference yeah, final. That's, that's, and that's too long. Just that's a mess. Like, that's this a... two-day break for all the travel that was going on. I mean, the fact that there was such a... Like, I mean, even the Blues, I 11, think, had like nine days off. Nine days they and had 11 a, for the... It was, it was yeah, nine it was days in between rounds. Silly. It was far too long. Especially last year, the NHL did something strange that they hadn't done before, is there was a game that was still in round one yeah. being played as well as game one of round two the same night. Yeah, and I, I mean, thought that was a... 
garage league move. So that that whole thing is just a fucking mess. But I've always said it. They play too many fucking games. The answer the yeah. answer to all of it is put it down fucking twenty games. Play sixty. Yeah. I don't think you'll ever get that. The no, owners no, want to make their money. No, but you're right. That's the answer. You're right to do it. Um, so a couple of owners are already mad at us now. But there's a, a few things going on in the in the world of the internet, and uh, one of those is uh, tonight with the game coming up. Banner captain for Boston. It's always a thing they do. They usually get a former Bruin, somebody associated with the team, uh, who comes out, waves the banner, waves the flag, gets the crowd riled up. Um, and apparently, um, Tim Thomas is the guy tonight, which is like that's what's happening on Twitter. Everyone's saying um, Twitter doesn't that, get carried away. That's that he's trending right now. There's a bunch of stuff going on, saying there's a bunch of rumors. Why going is that on. a surprise? Well, because he had such a bad departure from the team. He yeah, didn't. He didn't go. He 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 kind of did the. Um, there was a bunch of, of just animosity and weird shit around the way he opted out of the White that, House. But, yeah. but then even beyond that... Um, the ownership we, issue with him getting paid during the lockout was a big thing. Yeah. He's and, the only guy that collected a paycheck during that lockout, and that was a big thing when it was going yeah, on. Yeah, and then and then the way he got flipped out of town, he went... So I he think took it was, a year off or he whatever? Took he took a year off at 39. Yeah, I mean, and, after, after just like fighting to get in the league yeah. in the first place. Like you, heard from the, you heard from the uh, interview with, with uh, Jason that like, you know, he just, he just came back from Europe when he first got into the Bruins he you know he fought know for that, years eh? to get up through yeah yeah, yeah. I didn't know he, he was a journeyman and, and so the way he took that year off and again it was just a bunch of weird things around, around the way it was handled so it means that if he's the banner captain tonight a bunch of shit has been like worked out I know, but between him and people involved why, in that team. This is why that doesn't surprise me because A, I expect a bunch of shit to be worked out that we'll never find out about because Fair. not only are we not even close to the situation like we don't know one person on the inside. We're, we're so far away that all, our our literal only point of view is what someone else writes or is on TV. Yeah, yeah. He, Jason just said, our, my only bit of info, from, side information ever on Tim Thomas was that Jason just said he was a good guy because yeah. the things I read on him, yeah. he does seem like a fucking wingnut here and there. He's a but, goalie. They're all so, a yeah. centric. So, They're all a centric. Yeah, yeah. So if he's indeed a good guy at heart, as we just, I had no reason not to believe Jason is one of the honest people I know. If he's indeed... And he won a cup in Boston, and Game Seven is about to be played in Boston. He's the last Conn Smythe winner from the find, last Bruins yeah, Cup win. It I makes can sense. find a lot of reasons yeah. to make up. Yeah, it, it makes and, sense. He, and the fact that him coming back, and and because there's this perceived animosity, him bearing the hatchet over that and coming out to be back with the team, yeah. says a lot. That's why um, it doesn't surprise me. But there is a fun. Uh, your buddy Jimmy Murphy uh, tweeted out source close to Tim Thomas just uh, to me just now. This was from an hour ago. Jimmy would know uh, when asked if Tim Thomas is Bruins banner captain tonight, and that source said, "News to me. All I know is he FaceTimed with me this morning from Idaho. Hope he had a direct flight." So that was that was an hour ago. That was Jimmy's update. But then uh, Bennett Carroll uh, quote tweeted this saying, "The biggest news here is, is that Tim Thomas is on the grid enough to trust Apple and FaceTime," which I think is kind of a funny. That that was that was my funny Tim I'm Thomas trying, joke I'm that I heard from that. Trying to think of Idaho and relative to Boston, it but can't be that long. It's not you know that far. Funny, but, yeah. but a direct play would be a thing. But the other thing that's really cool tonight is apparently David Ortiz, who's in boss uh, in Boston now, oh recovering God. from being shot. 
apparently, uh, he's he's up. He's doing well. He apparently took his first step since getting shot the other day, uh, this afternoon. And so there's there's a bunch of goodwill coming there because apparently Big Poppy's recording a video message uh, that's going to be played pregame. Oh well, as well, why wouldn't he? Holy fuck! Give him the cup now, then. Yeah, yeah. Give no him kidding. Give him the cup. Someone now. like yeah. Bill Burroughs. This just Bill got Bur- shot, and he yeah. wants to pump. It I was up. listening to Bill yeah. Burr today, and he said <laughs> shooting David Ortiz is like shooting Santa Claus. Who the fuck would want to shoot Santa Claus? <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, yeah. And except if Santa Claus's team at a home game, yeah. you know, Santa Claus would be doing the, I said at the very least, where as I was driving, I was thinking at the very least, we're going to see a video message. Yeah. And each game seems to like grab you by the balls. It's just like something. You Chara coming out with that fucking cage on made me cry for fuck's sakes. And yeah. I'm not even cheering for them. And now you get Big Pappy, one of the most beloved sports figures, let alone, let alone in Beantown, just got shot from behind. Yeah. And... Right the day that he gets out and he's healing and all the news, the Boston Bruins happen to be playing game seven. You better fucking believe he'll be doing a video message. Yeah. If I know Big Pappy or I don't, but if I if I can the assume, legend of Big yeah. Pappy. if I know the, the, myth, very, the legend yeah, of Big Pappy, the very yeah. least the very least I can expect is that he'll probably be the fucking banner waiver himself. That that's would that's, be that's what I said was like if he's up to it. I mean that's the he guy would. you fucking want. Right? He would do it, but I don't know. I don't know if he can wave a banner, recover from a gunshot wound. It happened during Game Six. Well, he'd fucking you know, try. but. I mean, but the other thing that worries me about getting all riled up that way is that Chera coming out for game five with that cage on, they lost that game. Yeah, they I don't did. think you but can, they were uh, fired up. Yeah. Yeah, they were fired they up. They were fired I, I up, so let's keep them fired lucky. up. But. It's game seven. It's the last this game. Is different, it's different, like, though. A, is... cage, a cage is different than a back shot through the back. Yeah, um, fair. It, yeah, <laughs> in fair, many ways. Fair bit many different. Many ways. Fair bit different. You know um, what's And funny? again, we're saying all this, and by the time anybody hears it, it's all over. We know what happens. Two things. First one, that's why I never, I, I, to this day, because it freaks me out. I don't know if I've said it before, because um, Wild Bill Hickok, mm-hmm. famous gunslinger in the West, yep. got shot through the back, and he had aces over eights. That's why a, a lot of people have that tattoo, uh, three aces and two eights, because yeah. it's the card. It was the hand. It's called Dead Man's Hand. It's because that's a hand he was holding, and a guy came in and shot him through the back. Um and I, I've, I've always, like, even though I know I'm not going to get fucking shot through the back, I well, I don't know that, <laughs> but I, I, I often don't sit with my back to the door. I've had nightmares about it, like being back in the Wild West. And so when I heard, uh, that, you know, it's completely hypothetical situations, but um, and to hear that he got shot through the back was fucking insane because yeah. a, who, a, a, who wants to shoot? Unless, unless well, we then, find out the thing he's is, a drug dealer on the side, which no, I don't think. No, I think what happened yeah. was that he was back on and they didn't realize it was fucking David Ortiz, <laughs> oh, right? That's why I suggest everybody, you know, if he tap, had been listening. Tap him on the shoulder be like, are you if, Big Poppy before you shoot somebody? Yeah. Someone out there is going to sit not with their back to the door and it's going to save their lives, hopefully. But the second thing, speaking of Idaho, so a, a baseball legend just died, Bill Buckner. Bill yes. Buckner, the, they had the, he was the first baseman for the uh, Red Sox when um, the Mets, who was it, Mookie Wilson? Maybe? Mookie Wilson, ball he, off the pebble. He, he, it was a ground ball, an easy ground ball that I'm not exaggerating that my mother would have had. My yeah. mother would have had this. Okay, but Bill Buckner also is, is a fucking legend, one of the best yeah. players, a Hall of Fame guy. Um, fucking ball goes through his legs. The curse of the fucking Bambino sticks. Boston doesn't win it till the 2000s. That was back in when, 86? It was game six of 85. 85. Series. Yeah. They ended up losing. They were, if he had, he was the first baseman. Ground ball to him. If he picks up the ball, touches the bag, mm. game over. 
Game but over, but he didn't, and and then they lose. Fall off the, the pedal. Next, yeah. They lose a the game. They lose the next game. They don't win again for another nineteen. And years. that was in the middle of the curse of the Bambino, which you know when the Red Sox traded uh, Babe Ruth to the Yankees in nineteen twenty four or whatever it was. Uh, the the Red Sox hadn't won, and the Yankees went on to win like twenty odd times. So it was this big story in the curse of the Bambino. But so speaking of Idaho. So I'm out. I played in Idaho in 2001, 2002 for the Idaho Steelheads, and I went to great a team, man. A, a really yeah, great, great name and great team. It's in the middle of nowhere, really. So there's no sports teams other than Boise State Broncos. A football team was was in our town, but you know, Boise State is not pro. It's good, good to watch university. But closest to us was like. Uh, Salt Lake City, maybe four hours away. There was really nothing. So it, it, we were close to Sun Valley. So like a lot of our games, Bruce Willis to me more at the time. Were, um, uh, I, I remember seeing um, Jesus, uh, God, Mrs. Robinson, the graduate, Dustin Hoffman. Oh, I was going to oh. say Ian Bancroft. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, and we, so we go to this one event. So it, it was, and our, we had a season ticket uh, booster club that was second to none in the East Coast League, uh, West Coast League at the time they combined. But uh, you know, we would we would, and it, because we were a nice little place, it, our, our rink was right in the center of downtown, kind of like Mile One, a little bit smaller than Mile One. But we were sold out every night because it was the thing to do, right? Yeah. So we go to our, we we meet the the billets and the boosters and not billets, the booster club and all those guys, and and it often starts on these teams with a golf tournament at the start of the year. So I'm golfing with, and I'm a big big music fan. Sixties are my favorite era, and there's a band called Paul Revere and the Raiders. And Paul Revere was actually the drummer. He wasn't even the singer, but he's Paul Revere and the Raiders. And they had hits Just Like Me was one of their huge hits. Um, and they had, a, they had a bunch more. Anyway, without, without just listing off hits that no one's heard, um, get, do yourself, at least go to Spotify and listen to their top five songs or whatever. A, they're a great band. But B, I didn't expect Paul Revere to be one of the boosters. So I'm golfing with him. And he says, that's nothing. And we're teeing off like hole three. It was early on. He said, that's nothing. Look over there. And I look over. And I'm like, who the fuck's that? I don't know who it is. And I know baseball. And he says, that's Bill Buckner. And so reason Bill Buckner just passed away, yeah, by yeah. the way. So I guess I'm just giving him a shout out. So he's behind me. Turns out he got so much shit, not only in Boston, from yeah, like, yeah. but from fans all over. He didn't want to live there anymore. And I'm not knocking Boston when no, I said no, no. This would happen anywhere. You get, you get enough people... In any city that that happened, in, and he just wanted away from it. A gimme ground ball that's going to end yeah. a 60-year drought is going to get He's some going hate to. anywhere. And he even said, so he was a great guy. I didn't want to bring it up. He's behind me, and without saying anything, mm -hmm. without saying anything, Mike, he looks at me and goes, yeah, yeah, I got some horses now in Idaho, and I watch hockey. You know, and I'm going, <laughs> wow. Yeah. So I'm going, this guy's fucking wicked. So I sit down, and I'm having beers, and again, I don't want to bring it up, but yeah. Bill Buckner, and I know... Dad's a diehard Yankees fan, so I yeah. grew up knowing everybody on both those teams, if nothing else, and the Jays. You know, I was a baseball fan, but you know, often you forget about guys on San Diego when you're growing up in Mount Pearl. But if your dad watches fucking the, uh, the American Quinn. League East, uh, you know a lot. Yeah, except for Tony Quinn, you're right. <laughs> That's great. He's one of my favorites. Um, but anyway, so I knew all about Buckner, and my memory outside of that because. That wasn't my only member of Buckner. Buckner was like an unbelievable player. He was like a five-time All-Star, I think. Just a great player. So I was kind of happy to meet, like, I want to say one of my idols because he was for the opposition, but I respect a fucking guy who's that good at sports. And fuck, anyway, we got talking, and I sat down, and I don't remember bringing it up, but he just said, yeah, trust me. He goes, 
it wasn't all bad. He goes, I just didn't want to be br-. like a lot of people hugged me and felt bad for me. But Ooh. he said they just bring it up all the time. Huh. And he yeah. said here, nobody brings it up. It was like, wow. So I had him pictured after that. Like I often people talk to me about it and they'll they'll think maybe that. And, and the story the is that he six World Series, by the way. Eighty six. OK, yeah. I thought so. That he kind of went out there to be a hermit and, and, you know, fall off the face of the earth. I don't think it was quite that. And it w- and a lot of people act like it was such animosity from the fans and everything. But it was more just being in the public profile and having to talk about it every day. Yeah. Because he was just like, no, most a lot of people high five like, me. A lot of people. Well, I mean, me. it's noted <laughs> here. He came back. He finished his career in Boston. Yeah. After. He came back in 90 and received a yeah. standing ovation from the crowd during player exactly. introduction at the home opener. That's like exactly. people kind of went. I guess we get like, it. It wasn't your fault. It was yeah. a fucking curse. I, he was just seemed like a guy that wanted to get away from the topic. He yeah, was, yeah. Like, he was I, very grounded, though, and well, a great guy. Well, yeah. I guess it's like the opposite of the Paul Henderson goal. Like, that's all yeah. Paul, Paul yeah. Henderson ever hears about. Is that, yeah, you know, he played how many games in the NHL? But you don't think he hears about, about tying Terry Ryan Sr. for the goal lead on the Hamilton Red Wings? <laughs> <laughs> I, oh, I tell you, if I ever I met I, him once, but yeah, if I ever I run into him again. I bet he does if he ever runs into Terry Ryan Sr. Yeah, that's true. I'll tell you this. If I ever run into him again, I won't. I won't ask him about the goal. It'll be that. Uh, yeah, but anyway, that that was my last thing. Buckner died a couple weeks ago. Yeah. But I wanted to say that because uh, he was great, and I'll never forget when he just fucking looked at me and said, yeah, I raise horses now in Idaho, and I watch hockey. So maybe that's how <laughs> Tim Thomas ended up in Idaho. You go there to escape. Yeah, escape Boston, know. yeah, it's where you go. But yeah, um, he probably got a tip from him. But kicks, I, kicks. That's another great song from Paul Revere. Kicks, yeah, the first anti-drug song actually. Kicks just keep getting harder to find. Uh, he's talking to a girl who's a little bit into the dope, and the first anti-drug song that I know of. And if I know my Time Life music DVDs, <laughs> I'm right. <laughs> <laughs> I often get lost when I go home in those. Oh, dude. Smoke well, I, a bat I, and I just go into like fucking well, I Woodstock mean, mode. Though the commercials for those, I think, is like the, those like long infomercials oh, yes. for those time life like music stuff is why I'm so good at the fucking game. Like when we were playing Good Friday and we were in the room and you were just playing yeah, stuff yeah, yeah. and I was just like knocking down all these obscure fucking songs and you're like, how do you know this? And it's like, well, I grew up loving 50s and 60s music. And you when were it, pretty impressive. And when it, I don't know many my age or even close that can beat me at that quick at the 60s game mind you yeah maybe now. and we and we played like we played yeah. all fucking night but it was like whenever that fucking that was one of those things where like when you used to change through the channels and i couldn't find anything else on but that fucking infomercial's on i'd leave it on and, and it would just fucking repeat and so i just get the songs in my head and they named the, they named the fucking tune and who it was by and all that shit. don't yeah. you find that a lot of times when someone asks me who sings something yeah. my memory is because i'm reading a cd that was i put on in my car so yeah. many times and you know you end up but i find find a lot of that is lost now like we yeah. were forced because there was no computer and yeah, so yeah, i had yeah. to read all the album i had to listen to every song so yeah. all the albums you had you actually listened to them all as an album yeah i find that re- and you know i got a nine-year-old now and a 20-year-old stepson um and both of their approaches to music though different and they like different things neither one of them are into albums whereas no. You know, if Penny Lane will listen yeah, to an yeah. album and not realize it because she'll just let her playlist go. And I'm like, this is the Beatles, Sgt. Pepper. And she, she yeah. knows the songs. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, she's nine. That's young. But but yeah. when I was nine, though, I knew, like, I remember it didn't have to be Sgt. Pepper, but Huey Lewis had a, had a fucking album called Sports. Sports. You got it. Right. And even yeah. that spoke to me because that's a package in my hand yeah. of, sport, of all those and songs. And all those guys playing in the fucking pool hall yeah. on the cover and shit, right? Right. Whereas yeah. now you'd probably. 
here, I want a new drug and, you know, put it on a playlist yeah. with Huey Lewis songs. That's, yeah, that's the and one And not hit, realize, patch, package them all together. Yeah. And you've got a Huey Lewis playlist. But you would lose the flavor of the album. So, and the other one that not always got me was Huey like, Lewis got brought up on the that's show, true. actually. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, I, Huey Lewis. but another cool thing about, about that kind of era, especially like cassettes more than anything else, was like, it was not like you always had compilation. Like you'd always have like mixtapes that were either made or you bought a compilation that was like a various artist thing and you'd put it on in the yeah. car. And there was no fast forwarding. There was no skipping to the next track. You just listened to the whole thing. And if I was driving around as a kid with like my in my aunt's car and she's listening to some compilation, she just picked up from some KTEL thing she got at Walmart. Yeah. And she's just and it's got all these like cool old like one hit wonders from the sixties on it. And I'm like, who's this? But then and who's you get that? into it. And then you get like just like, deep dive imagine into it. Me, man. Imagine me. The first Fleetwood Mac song that I heard that I was knowledge of that was Fleetwood yeah. Mac was Little Lies. Tell me lies. Tell, tell me, me so, sweet so lies, how yeah. fucking surprised was I when I get in? You know, there's also bands like that, or or you'll hear like "It's Raining Again" by Supertramp and go, "That's not bad." Yeah. And then you put on the album, you're like, "Fuck, goodbye, stranger." <laughs> yeah. Enough said. I was just good enough just for this, yeah. but it would force you to get into all this stuff, and you there was no escaping like there would be on Spotify. Okay, I got the album. I'm listening to the record. I might as well hear the next song, right? Oh man, well I can like I mean so, even something like um the Beatles anthologies like came out in the mid 90s and like I used to devour especially the first two cuz that like that I mean the age I was when they came out those first two anthologies were more of like the type of Beatles I was into at the time. Like yeah, the, yeah. the later stuff got like, was a little bit weird for me at that <laughs> yeah. age, which is fair. Right. But, another thing I love about the Beatles too. There's stages for eat. Like, yeah. And, oh yeah. Yeah. Anybody who says them. they don't like the Beatles just doesn't listen to enough Beatles because <laughs> there's a song for fucking everybody. But one I after nine, literally say that to me today. There's the song one wow. after nine Oh nine is on. Love Let song. it be. Yeah. Great tune. But I always, like, I guess I just never, like, when even when I came back to it, it didn't click with me for the longest time. But One After 909 is on the first anthology, because it was one of the first fucking songs they ever wrote. Yeah. And then they, they dug it back out. They played that in Hamburg a lot. Yeah, and then they dug yeah. it back out and completely rearranged it. It sounds totally different. Yeah. But it took me years to be like, oh, fuck, that's that tune I used to listen to all the fucking time. On, I like, love when that happens. You know? Isn't it? It feels like, like epiphany four moment. different versions of it that all have <laughs> yeah. that like same mercy beat, like early, like sounds like yeah. she was. I saw her standing there, like it has that kind of beat to it. And then all of a sudden, like you know, eight years later, they put it on their last record, and it's a totally different song, but still a I, and fucking I, jam. I will say this: there's two, and I find a lot of my younger buddies that play in my hockey team, it's different methods of listening. So I'm that way, and I get overwhelmed because when I find like. Jeremy Charles' father-in-law, Sarah Parker's father, Dennis Parker, great blues musician from here. Just wait, 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 wait. Whoa. I didn't that's know that was a, yeah, Sarah's yeah. dad. Sa was... His new album is Sarah singing on it with him. It sounds unbelievable. It's I as good as know that. That's Sarah's dad. Jesus, it's fucking I wild. had no idea. I've, so, I've known Dennis yeah. for years. He's fucking fantastic. Dennis is awesome. Dennis yeah. came over in the uh, early yeah. 70s. Actually, we got a couple of his 45s. Uh, and um, but we'll often talk music. I'll go over to Jeremy's. Jeremy has a lot of about vinyl as well. Yeah. So and you know it's great because he, he's into the blues. And, like, I know the rock and roll part. So I, Eric Clapton would talk about, say, Robert Johnson. And McCartney would talk about a lot of the early blues legends. And he brings up, just, just like last year, he brings up this guy, Blind Lemon Jefferson. And Blind Lemon Jefferson, it must have, it, it, it is this big mystery. He's down south, and he played, they called it Texas Blues, but they never had a record of him playing in Texas other than, like, being picked up on the side of the road in, like, 1922, and there's a story about him coming in loaded and just playing, like, like kind of like the Devil Went Down to Georgia kind of songs or stories. Yeah. Then he comes over to New Orleans, and he gets pretty pop. But this is in the 20s. This is before yeah. a lot of people that get all this credit. And... 
so Dennis will get me into that. And a lot of the things he gets me into, I can't find the record. But that's when I go to Spotify and it'll be on there. And it's good for that reason. Yeah. So I, I don't think a lot of young kids would even think to do it like that. But for me, and I'll come across it and go, holy, it's almost yeah. overwhelming to me because I'm like, okay, now I got to listen to every single Blind Lemon Jefferson song. <laughs> and I got to real because I'm getting overwhelmed. I'm starting yeah. to go, I can hear, or I can hear Bob Dylan in this. Of yeah. course I can. And I can hear Pete Seeger in this, but fuck, Pete Seeger learned from him. How weird is that? Like, yeah. And it'll start opening your mind to so many things. And that's why I've, I've often say to people, like music, I often find that people say if they like only a certain genre, you're not looking hard enough. I think there's some stuff in most genres, even if you have a little bit of respect for the history of it, that you'll probably like. And the last thing I'll say when it comes to that is, like you said, the Beatles, there's a song for everybody. Um, you know, I, I made sure I love the Beatles. I don't try to sway my daughter's or, or my stepson's views in too many ways. I don't think it could be hard to get them into the Beatles, though. It's a bad thing. So I'd always have it on in the background and everything. Right. Yeah. So when Penny Lane made her and I didn't tell her what any of the songs are about. They're on there yeah. for the benefit of Mr. Kite to a little girl. Sounds yeah. like it's a circus theme. Right. Yeah. Uh, for example, so does Bang Bang Maxwell Silver Hammer. Yeah. Right. And there's <laughs> You're not a lot thinking of those. That it's, oh, it's about murder. OK, yeah, cool. right. You're not thinking that it's about a serial killer. Um, Great little a lot tune of about a serial yeah, killer. and there's a lot of that. Yeah, but her, she gravitated like so when she was making her playlist. She's like four years old with me. Like her first songs were, oh, I like Octopus's Garden. Yeah. I like Here Comes the Sun, and it was, and then Rocky Raccoon. Right, it had a little. Yeah. So again, the, about a murder. Yeah, I know. But <laughs> to her, and she's hearing that she hears about a little cartoon raccoon in her head or whatever. Yeah, and then she's hearing Octopus's Garden, and what's there's another oh with a little help from my friends yeah. Ringo. Like some of these are almost, and you realize they're all fucking Ringo songs. Yeah, there's two Ringos well, that's, right that's there. Yeah, all of the songs. Two, yeah, all of the songs. There was another Ringo that's one of her favorites too. Oh, she loves. Oh, Yellow Submarine. Uh, yes. Yeah, that's exactly where yeah. I was going. I forgot, and I wouldn't have yeah. said it. Yellow Submarine. Yeah, and it's the way these are presented. And then, of course, the Yellow Submarine, I said, I got to show her the cartoon if she really likes the Beatles. And she's going to... So I did, but then, then of course, now she's nine, and now yeah. she realizes what Penny Lane's about. I'm not yeah. saying that she's going to get deep, but she understands that it's about a street that they grew up on, and she yeah. understands the different Beatles. And now she's starting to go, well, that's a pretty cool song. I want to yeah. hold your hand. And I'll yeah. say, they sang that on Ed Sullivan. I'll show her. Yeah. It's stages, but the first one, she, her, yeah. her ear was to pick up, and, and they do. They present those to kids. I often yeah. forget them. I, I had, I, in I remember distinctly being like a huge Beatles fan when I was a little kid. We talked about this before. Uh, yeah. I was really into, when I was like a small child, into Buddy Holly and the Beatles from Me a too. very early yeah. point. And I, was, I distinct I Tom Petty. I'm, that's fucking cool. Um, but I distinctly, <laughs> really, I distinctly under remember. Under the same umbrella, really. I distinctly remember, I, I distinctly remember whatever, I can't remember what grade it was, if it was kindergarten or grade one or two, but there was this yellow music books that when you go into music class, they were all on the chairs, everybody picked it up and you went from the same songbook. And, and that songbook had Yellow Submarine and Octopus's Garden in it. Oh yeah, that book didn't make it up yeah. to the lab West curriculum. No, but but well, it was also fucking <laughs> yeah, five yeah. years later. But um, but that was that was part of our curriculum in primary school in you know the late eighties, early nineties were Beatles tunes and <laughs> yeah, yeah. and talking about. I know we went off on a fucking tangent <laughs> about it about top forty. Can you imagine any fucking songs from right now? That you're hearing on on like popular some music on the radio. Can you imagine hearing any of it in a fucking classroom in twenty years? No. And I can also I, I still think there's Beatles songs that would still sound fresh on the radio now. Oh yeah. Where a lot of the stuff from that time it, it's great, but it wouldn't sound overly overly fresh. It's great, like I, I'm, I'm including the Who and the Stones and all yeah. that stuff, but there's still a song like A Day in the Life would go, 
Oh my oh, fucking yeah, well, like, God. What did I just hear? Still or even tour, Lucy that's... in the Sky with Diamonds if you want catchy. Maybe that's bad for the radio. What's the tune? There was it's the, one of the tunes that has like the really heavy uh, Indian influence that sounds like a fucking like. Norwegian Wood? No. Within You Without You. Within You Without You. That was It was featured in fucking Mad Men a couple years ago. Yeah, yeah. And it and blew it's... up because people are like, who the fuck is. Like, cause it it's doesn't like, sound it's at all. It's got this cool like, kind of yeah. trancey, like, like it's got kind of like a dance vibe to it like yeah. it sounds like something you'd hear at a rave at that, fucking 3 30 yeah, in the morning that's a better example than and, anything i use and yeah that would still sound fucking that, fresh yeah on the radio and that was it but but what, that was the thing was when it came on there were like when it came on that episode of mad men a couple years ago there were people who just didn't know it was the beatles and were like what the fuck is this jam like they thought it was a current dance track and they were just blown away that it was a fucking beatles tune off of What's that on? Is that on the? Is is that on fucking? That's on Pepper. It's on Pepper. Yeah. yeah if it's if it's an Indian dance tune. No, because yeah. there's a bunch of weird shit. Like only a northern song and, and some other weird shits on Magical Mystery Tour. Oh, yeah. And so I wasn't sure if it was that, on Magical Mystery. That is Mystery a weird Tour. one. Yeah. I, I I almost I forget that that's a Beatles album. I, it, it, it's, it's it's the only one that I'm not like. It's one of those ones that like if I'm listening to the Beatles like Canon and will listen sometimes. Go yeah. from Please Please Me right on through. Every now and then I'll just like. Get magical mystery tour. I I'll know, just like yeah. leave it out. It's like yeah. I find it really yeah. hard to go from like revolver, rubber soul, and then put that on. That that's an example of that would work in the Spotify world. You, yeah. There's a couple of songs on there that I'd I'd pick, but I I don't even know if I've ever once listened start to finish. I know the songs that are on it. Yeah, I, no, might, I might have done it to sample it when I was ten. But I I I, I have because it was a, a time like probably ten or twelve years ago when I first got an iPod that I had all the Beatles. In a row. Um, and I listened to them all in a row. And that, I think, was the first time I ever listened to that record start to finish. There was one other thing I was going to... Oh, and w- I know we. Like, I should be fucking worried about hockey right now. Well, this is the end, though. This, I don't mind this, this at the distraction, end. Mike. You but, need this to calm down. But can we talk for just a, a, a second... Good leadership by can we, can we talk just for a second about what a fucking transition record is, help is, between Rubber Soul and Revolver? Of course. Because, holy fuck, like, it's a soundtrack. And it's not only that fucking good. I mean, essentially, Rubber Soul is an acoustic record and Revolver is an uh, uh, electric record. And, and they both and, try to and stretch help, boundaries on each side, right? And yeah. Help just fits like so snugly in between those two as just the fucking handoff of the baton. And it was just a throwaway soundtrack to like a movie they were making. Just a throwaway. And how about, Fuck. there's a lot I love about Help. I, my favorite lasting part of the... Um, my favorite song, I, I, I hate to even say that no. favorite song, but I love I Need You, I'm in an I Need You phase. Uh, I Need You, yeah. With and the, that's you go through George Harrison phases. Yeah. There's times where you just get really fucking into uh, George Harrison phases. I still think my favorite off help might be... And the video with Ringo oh, with the dart in his mouth the whole time. He's playing drums. Yeah. Just go back and watch. I think it's the I Need You video. It definitely is the I Need You yeah. video. Um, he's drumming and he just got the cigarette and he's not even puffing on it. He's just It's just... <laughs> smoking it's yeah. just that the, the paper is smoking in his mouth the entire time and he's playing and, and it's it's always fun little stories the beatles movies i uh, fuck i highly encourage going to watch them um or going to watch them um oh they come, still show up in, they still show up in cinemas they do actually yeah, yeah, yeah and i went back, whenever yeah. they do I, I go to watch but um you I know there's it, it's not a, to me it's like watching a bit of history it's not even what's happening they're all little fun little stories but it shows you a side you know, not everything was like that. Like like George Thorogood did. Type The next time you're on YouTube, George Thorogood Beatles and see what he has to say about it. And he, he says, you know, it was just like the world woke up in Technicolor. He said, I woke up and the world was in Technicolor. They're the first people I saw that were happy. Yeah. He said they were always happy. 
And 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 a lot of times you got to realize when you're watching Help and those stories and the cute and the girls going after him, it's it's kind of real, but you know the context of where the world was at that time and there was a lot of uncertainty and later on and, and, and I guess you know there's not too many times in the 20th century there wasn't some kind of war happening but you know there's a lot of tension and a lot of uncertainty and uh, you know I think the Beatles by wearing their hair long and by taking uh, chances and writing their own music and doing their own thing I think is you know obviously directly related to Woodstock but I don't think you know, all that, the flower power, the, you know, the, the civil rights movement would have been happening, but I, I think it was definitely pushed along. And uh, just basically people, artists having their own, using their own minds. Like I said, I love Buddy Holly, Mike, but if you re- if you go back and look, there wasn't a whole lot of people writing their own music. I no. love him for that reason. Yeah. He's one of the first that did it. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the Beatles did it. It started to be normal, but that yeah. was certainly not normal at the time. No. Um, the first band to play a stadium, you know, Elvis was playing in auditoriums, and they right? had to they had to invent PA speakers for the yeah. Beatles. They had to like modern public address exists because of the Beatles. Yeah. It's why they stopped touring. It's because the the crowds were getting too loud, too loud, and speakers weren't catching up to how loud it needed to be. And that's part of the reason they fucking stopped. Their last big show, Shea Stadium, was that the last? Yeah, one? Yeah, yeah, I thought so. Was, yeah, and then, and then uh, that's the episode of Mad Men, by the way, that that's featured on. It's, oh it's, yeah, uh, he's sending his daughter to Shea Stadium to see the Beatles. And I remember when I tuned into it, all I thought was like. People actually like people yeah. saw the Beatles. Like yeah. that was the mind that. Well, that's the thing. Like it's one of those weird big... things that now you think of it as such a long time ago. But like John Lennon only died, what four, almost three years before I was born. Like we were that close to overlap. Mm-hmm. Like you know, and and the same thing. Elvis was only a couple years. I remember before that. I was just... I was three. I didn't realize what was happening, but I remember everybody being fucking shocked. And uh, well, the way he died down. too. Like I it's mean, just, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but um yeah and the other thing like just so many when people ask the first band to put, to put out album and, and album art and and words on the album Sgt. Pepper's the first album ever that has the lyrics on the back yeah and I he, did not know yeah, that, that and, as a kid that was like one of the biggest things for me because I totally didn't have, I didn't have a so I would buy CDs How I learned to read <laughs> I would buy CDs uh hand over fist like if I ever got any money for birthdays or this or that or odd jobs or whatever CDs that's where it always went but I never had a vehicle uh with a CD player in it until I was well into my 20s so I would get a ride with my folks as a kid and there would always be tape decks or whatever and I would wait until I got home so it's about a nine or ten minute drive when you're a kid you can rifle through the lyric book and i'd read it all the special thanks to the engineered notes the producers and yeah. stuff like that so so that was uh the lyrics though were always a huge thing i did not know that so picture yeah. this yeah before all that like like if you look at the rolling stone top 500 albums ever say i think the first one shows up by elvis is called mystery train um and but elvis had no say in any of that they were just packaged they were songs he had nothing you just good-looking face on the front. Obviously, it's fucking Elvis. It doesn't take a genius. Um, you know, and they picked the song. I mean, he sang. He didn't even write most of his songs. The only one I know that even he co-wrote was uh, one of his best now, uh, In the Ghetto. Uh, he wanted to that's write a lot go, of them. That's my go-to for karaoke. That's great. That's great. Um, but, you know, the Beatles ripped the face off the, all that way of thinking. And they made the artists much more in touch with their own work. And then Dylan came along in 64, and Dylan is influencing the Beatles, and they all work together. So all of a sudden, everybody's hair is long. And everybody's saying, you know what? Maybe I'm going to think about this. I'm going to do my own fucking thing, you know? And it, it to me, that's why it transcends music. It's, it's beyond music. It's beyond sports. It's beyond anything. 
the world needed it at that time. And, you know, it, it brought the world together. The message was love. I love Nirvana. I love I, Nirvana, I, but the message wasn't love, was it? No. Right? But when the Beatles, when all that happened, I mean, just, and, and the people that fucking grew as artists out of that are in, in, insane. What? Uh, you, I've heard you jo- drop, like, the Rolling Stone 500 um, songs yeah. of all time. Several times. Like, it's just come off Albums, but songs, yeah. Songs. On the, 100, on the 500 songs list, what is the highest charting Beatles song, and what number does it come in at? Okay, so if it's songs, because I, I know the albums list. If it's songs, number one is either going to be, I'm guessing, Bob Dylan or the Rolling Stones. I'll uh, give you a hint. Kind of both. Kind of both? In okay. that it's Like a Rolling Stone by Bob Dylan. Okay. <laughs> like a Rolling Stone. It's like Satisfaction also is right That's up there. That's number two. Is it? Okay. Yep. Now I'm not looking. You get the computer in yep, your face. I got so it in front of me. Yep. There's a level of legitimacy to what I'm saying. I'm, yep. I'm familiar with good music. I wasn't aware of this list. So you're asking me the highest one for the Beatles. Yeah. And what would that be? Uh-huh. I'm going to okay. guess yesterday. Now, is it the top? How, what are we looking at? Because they're, the, 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 the most important song on the most important album ever would be A Day in the Life. I don't think no, you could argue it, it, that. It, it's just, but it's it's not it's not going that direction. It's not saying, you know, it's just it's, saying what is of the, like, it's a basically like the best pop, popular music of, of the... Hey Jude. Yes. What number oh. is it? Fuck me. So there's that. There's two of those. Yeah. Can't, it can't have slipped out of the top 10. You can't have the best band ever by most critical thinkers out of the top 10. Uh, if you ask me how many and it's not third, then it can't be third or you would have said it. Uh, fifth. It is eighth. Eighth, okay. Third is Imagine. Okay. Yeah. I can so the Beatles get in there. Third fair. is Imagine. Four is What's Going On by Marvin Gaye. Sure, no problem with any of that. Five is uh, Respect by Aretha Franklin. Wicked, yeah, Ooh. great. Sixth is Good Vibrations by the Beach Boys. Unbelievable. Seven <laughs> is Johnny Be Good. Fucking unbelievable. Eight is Hey Jude. And then Smells Like Teen Spirit and What I Say by Ray Charles around at the top ten. Yeah, it, you know what I compare that to? It's like if um, uh, Tomas Hurdle scored the nicest goal of the year for the San Jose Sharks, but overall Wayne Gretzky had just way more goals. Yeah. Or Alexander Vetchkin, let's say now. Yeah. Because... Oh, the Beatles have the most, uh, they have 24 appearances on the list, the yeah. most by anybody. Uh, 13 is yesterday. Yeah, uh, and, and I, so I think that's that's three album. songs now written the, by John Lennon, written or co-written by John I'll Lennon tell you one in the thing, top 13. As I'm looking at you, I'm yeah. not looking at a, a piece of paper. I'm not looking at anything. Look at the top albums, and the Beatles have five of the top ten. Five. And their sixth is closely outside of that. I can't remember. Now, of course, we're just going with a rating system, but who are these people that voted? They're all artists, Right. Like people say, well, these Rolling Stone music critics—they're not. Rolling Stone doesn't have fucking a thousand music critics to, to play <laughs> to judge. These are all people that, like you know, it's people that are involved in the business, and most of them are artists themselves. And I will say, Sgt. Pepper uh, is number one, but then we got in there somewhere is Rubber Soul, Revolver, and the White Album for sure, right? Uh, yeah. In the top ten. Uh, uh yes. Yeah. yeah, so number one is Sgt. Pepper. Number two is Pet Sounds by the that? Beach Boys. Three Num- might be what's going on. Three is Revolver. Okay, three is Revolver. Uh, four is Highway 61, revisited by Bob Dylan. Beauty. Beautiful choice. Four, uh, five is Rubber Soul. Yeah. Uh, six is what's going on. Knew it was up there. Uh, seven is Rolling Stones, Exile on Main Street. Nice. Uh, eight is London Calling by The Clash. Wow, that's a, that's a high that, one. Though. Nine is Blonde on Blonde. And number 10 is The White Album. 
Yeah. And then number 11 yeah, is the, the Sun ooh. Sessions. Elvis Presley's uh, Sun and Sessions. close, close to that. Like the Beatles also, because you there's one that you never. And the Abbey Sun Road. Sessions is a compilation. Okay, so where's Abbey Road? Fifteen, because right there there's going to be another 14. one. Fourteen, fourteen, exactly. The Beatles, those albums you cannot, you, you couldn't put them because what they did for music, even yeah. if you listen to the, even if you listen to Abbey Road from like track three to like track eleven, it's just one big mash of songs and it goes back into this song. It co- it'll freak you the fuck out. Try doing it stoned. Smoke a joint and listen to Abbey Road. That'll freak you out more than all of them. Oh, the Abbey Road is, to me, more of a concept album than than uh, Sgt. Pepper. It starts going, like, one song goes into another. I mean, well, that's the thing. Back. The whole back the whole back side of it is one track, I love technically, it. right? It's, yeah. it's, it's a suite, it's, it, but it's incredible. But on that note, we're coming up on three I hours. I was going to say, fellas, I've got to run. We got so. we got some stuff coming up tonight that I want to pay attention to. This so, is great, uh, though. What, your vitals wicked, gotta, must be, this is, must be the lowest you've had here. 82, 82. Okay. But this has been great. This is, uh, <sighs> it's killing me. I want like, London Calling I up that high. I got I to gotta get this in. London Calling, I mentioned that I'd get uh, a CD and read the lyrics flat out, yeah. too. London Calling is one of those CDs. Oh, yeah, I got that when I was in the fifth grade. Which again, I, I got into it a couple years ago. We got yep. the DVD. Senior got the DVD. Boys, you get to come in on a Friday we night sometime. To. We got to. And Senior was getting me into the Clash. Like, I knew of the Clash. I knew they were really important. Yeah. I didn't realize how important. Oh, Just yeah, a couple yeah, years yeah. ago, he got me right into it. He gave me a book. I forget the fucking name. I think the book is called London Calling. In any case, highly recommend both. And you we'll know what talk I'm about shocked, shocked by here as I'm butterfly looking? next time. You oh. know what I'm shocked about? I saw that live. Um, right? Looking through this. I went back as far as 40. Huh? And you know who doesn't make an appearance in the top 40 at all? Tom Petty? The Kinks. And yeah. The Kinks. I yeah. figured the Kinks, I know, but I, but I guess kinks. I guess it's like, you know, the Kinks are probably like, I don't the know. The Kinks, though, would have only had so think, many shots because they had a couple of real... I don't know if they're like an album band, you know? Yeah. like mm-hmm. um, My favorite album by the Kinks, mm-hmm. I encourage you, you will never have heard of it. It's called Schoolboys in Disgrace. And it came out... Come Dancing might be on that. Their 1980 hit. But it's great, guys. So it's a concept album, and it takes you through the it takes you through the high school experience of a kid. So it, and in the beginning, he's got, coming into grade nine. Yeah, come dancing would be on that, wouldn't it be? I think. Uh, no, it's not. It's not on there. It is not. Okay, but it, anyway, Jack the Idiot Dunce is on there, isn't it? Uh, yep. Jack, Jack the Idiot Dunce. Track he's, two. Now you wouldn't be able to have a song called Jack the Idiot Dunce, but Jack I, the Idiot Dunce was the dunce in school, and he got picked on. But then he comes back and ends up getting all the chicks. And then it keeps going. I'm telling you right now, you'll love that album for the story as much as anything, and I still don't know why no one fucking knows it. <laughs> I, I really don't. It's not on any list. It's I've never heard a classic rock fan talk about it. I brought it up to people like Chris LeDrew, who's like a major fuck. He knows everything there is to know about music from that era, and he'll be like, what? Schoolboys in Disgrace? Hell of an album artwork, Phil. Yeah, oh, no, it's love great. It. It's great. Yeah. I'm just looking here. I'm just trying to... The oh, la- yeah, no, the Kings are the Village Green Preservation Society. You, you might know the, just- the last song gets played at the odd high school reunion, even though, or, or because it says gather around. It's, they're all gathering around, right? And they're holding hands, and it's, they're, they're all on their way out of high school. They're, they've experienced it all together. It's a very powerful fucking song message. I've heard it. The only place I've heard it is at, like, graduations and stuff, and still people never bring up the fact it's the, kank, it's the kinks. Yeah. Well, it can't be the kinks because there isn't a band called the kinks. <laughs> well, there probably is, but they're probably in just somebody's fucking basement somewhere. Although um, there's an much, idea much the like kinks. us. The kinks. If we don't go with third band in, that's what we'll do is the kinks. Kinks. Uh, but until next time, let, let, let's wrap this up so that we can go deal with the stress of the Stanley Cup Final Game 7, uh, on, which by the time you're listening to this is over long ago because this is fucking a long episode. And kinks um, for listening. Kinks for listening. Until next 
next time, you can find us everywhere at 3MI Podcast uh, on all your socials or 3MIPodcast.com for other information in a shop with some fun shirts and some cool hats and some things. So check all that stuff out. Until then, I'm Hickey, at Hickey, Mike. I'm Smokes Indoors. And Terry yes, Ryan. I am uh, at Terry Ryan 2020 on Instagram and at Terry Ryan 20 on Twitter. And so uh, until next week, we'll be, when we'll be back at you to shout at you about hockey. Crowd, the worst crowd, the worst crowd.